What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Flip Flop Guy podcast. I'm Andy Mokel, and I'll be your host. Our goal is to have epic conversations with people from all walks of life. There are no talking points that are off the table. It's going to get wild. We hope our guests inspire and motivate you to walk with purpose as we trudge the road of human existence. Enjoy the show. What do you think? You think you're ready for this? Mm-hmm. Yeah? Why not? Why not? How was the drive down? It's all right. A lot of traffic. Yeah. Are we going right now? Yeah. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Want to restart it? No. <laughs> all right. So I don't need it either. All right. <laughs> good shit. <laughs> Profanity okay? Absolutely. All right. Good deal. Yeah, there's no... There's no... I don't, I, I don't... I just try to keep it as exactly as it would be in camp. Cool. Okay. Sounds good. No big deal. Right? Let's do it. How was dinner? Oh, my stomach's hurting. Pizza. Too much pizza. We ate a lot. We, we ate a lot. We, we, we ate like pretty much three quarters of a large pizza and six bread plates. <sighs> yeah, I'm supposed to be on a diet too because, you know, deer season shape and all that good stuff. Deer season shape, man. Yeah, we got till August, bro. Shape, That's months early. I start, what is it, February now, so... <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, my whole my whole thing is is I start working out usually and getting into shape and, like, you know, try to do it in January, and then I go all the way through deer season, and as soon as deer season stops, I'm not, I'm not in the gym anymore. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, that was me this year. Yeah. <laughs> so the first, like, month back into the gym doing cardio, you know, hiking and stuff is uh, it's difficult. Always a nightmare? Yeah. Problem? Yeah. Routine, you know, getting just, you know, getting the, yeah, it's just kind of, it's uh, pretty tiring. How did I allow this to happen to myself? Yeah. That's where I'm at. I'm like so nervous to get back into the gym. Yeah, you know, what I what I find is after I go for a couple weeks straight, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I look forward to it, but it's just getting to that point, you know, um, getting one there and then actually getting the motivation to do whatever I'm supposed to be doing while I'm there. Yeah. You know, but, uh, yeah, you know, a lot of good things to look forward to. You got, what, turkey season, you know, and then pig hunt in between, and then deer season, and my fiance thinks I'm getting into honeymoon shape. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. It's a good so, justification. Yeah, exactly. Uh, she wants me to be able to walk around with a six-pack on the beach. I don't know if I'm going to be a six-pack by then, but, uh, yeah. When's, when's the wedding? June 1st. That's a good time of year. Perfect. Not during deer season. Uh, not like nothing Anthony. going on. Uh, <laughs> when was his? His was the day before the day before archery season opened. Oh, dude! <laughs> what the hell? Ruined it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She asked me when we were gonna do, when she, I wanted to do it, and I told her I said pretty much the only month is uh, June because you know I start archery hunting in July and yeah. go all the way deer deer hunting all the way into October and then. You know, duck season starts, and I start doing waterfowl hunting, and then, you know, steelhead season, and then it just kind of keeps going, pig hunting in between, and then in the turkey season, and it just swings back around yeah. every year. You do steelhead the way I used to do sturgeon. Really? Like, you dive into you dive into steelhead the way I used to dive into sturgeon fishing. Yeah. I've been doing it my whole life, yeah. so it's like... For I sure. Mean, you know, when I was a kid, I didn't really have any appreciation for it. Um, sitting in the cold, you know, um, it's freaking raining, it can be, you know, uh, 32, below 32, I mean, it's, you know, it's not... In the river. 
Yeah, a lot of people think it's fucking miserable, but now it's just like, I can't get enough of it. Yeah. You know, it's just like deer hunting. I can't get enough of it. Yeah. Well, there's got to be something about, I mean, you. I'm sure you wear waders and kind of wait out a little bit. Yeah. And all that. Yeah. It's got to be something for the feeling of that cold-ass water going around you while you're in the waders. I don't really like the cold water. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think this last time I got sick is because I was wearing, wearing breathable waders and I was standing out in the river up to my, right about my waist for, mm-hmm. it's probably in there for a good couple hours. So, I got to ask this question. Afterward. Just yeah. because from when I used to go diving all the time. Yeah. When I used to dive when I was a kid. Do you pee in your waders? No. No, because I used no. to pee in my wetsuit all the time. Yeah, well, that's kind of you know, I mean, that was like warm, the warmest feeling ever. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got I got like three or four different pairs of waders, and I got like everything from five mils, mm-hmm. which is like when I'm waterfowl hunting and it's fucking freezing. Yeah, or when I'm fishing and it's really cold, like down in the low twenties, you know. Yeah, yeah. All the way to my breathables, which is generally what I wear because they're easy to walk in, they're comfortable. But I mean, tell you what, when it's cold. You know, if you don't layer up enough underneath, it's fucking cold. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited Avies is dropping some waders coming up here pretty soon. Yeah. And uh, kind of excited to see how those turn out. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what their whole line evolves into and everything, kind of what they come up with and, you know. Yeah. So we'll see. I might I might invest some of my money into some their of their products. products. Yeah. It's good, it's good quality. Yeah. It's good quality for sure. Yeah. But I'm excited for their waders. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I probably wouldn't get caught dead in Sitka waders, so. No, I, I can't come to terms with spending a grand on a pair of fucking waders. Waders, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know. They're, 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 they're like a clean thousand dollars, maybe just under by a little bit. But. Yeah. After taxes, you're around almost a grand. Yeah. You know, I wear... I wear a pair of breathable waders that are $200 for waterfowl hunting and fishing. Yeah. And that will last for maybe two seasons. And I buy a new pair. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because I beat them to hell and I'm not going to buy a pair of, you know, waders. It's something that I like about you after, you know, having known you for the little bit that I have is like, you go hard. Oh, yeah. Like, you're, you're, you're a no bullshit guy. You just fucking go hard. And, like, the other times when you're not going hard, you're just being funny. Right. That's fucking That's awesome. That's how my Instagram is. It's like I'm yeah. fucking around or I'm, like, all about, you know. Getting it done. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. is, I mean, but that's great. Like, yeah. I love it. I love the energy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's totally, it's totally awesome. I laugh my ass off. 90% of you post a story and I'm just fucking <laughs> laughing, dude. Or you yeah. post some, like, really good food recipe. Right. Or, like, some... What did you post the other day where I was like, you need to fucking feed me that? I, that was... Uh, I made some... It wasn't really El store, <clears throat> but I took a wild pig backstrap. Yeah. Cut it up, diced it up into, you know, smaller pieces. Yeah. I marinated it for two days. That's right. And then Cause I... Because we were going to podcast the day yeah, after. and I decided to eat that night. Yeah. And, uh... When I sear- sautéed it, when I was cooking it, I actually cooked it with raw habaneros. Really? What did you marinate it in? Just like, like a secret. No, no, no. Just okay. uh, and I don't have like people ask me. You know, my fiance gets so pissed off. She'd be like, "How many teaspoons?" I'm like, I don't know. I don't teaspoons. I don't. What's I don't use measurements. Right. So what is that? I'm not baking. I'm not making a cake. I am cooking. You don't like. Okay, this yeah. tastes about right. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> just. Uh, 
Yeah, olive oil, garlic salt, you know, um, pepper. Yeah. Chop up a little bit of onion in there maybe. I mean, paprika is another good one and some cayenne pepper. So I like mm-hmm. spicy stuff. I mean, yeah. I'll eat habaneros. Serrano no, peppers are my oh, favorite yeah. peppers to cook yeah. with all day long. And so, uh, you know, get it in there, mix it, make sure it's all mixed up evenly and everything and put it in the refrigerator for a couple of days. And then when I sear it, I um, cook it on medium, make sure it cooks through. Mm-hmm. And then towards the end, I'll crank up the heat mm-hmm. and kind of, uh, you know, make the, not a gravy sauce out of it, but I make sure that I get more concentrated. Yeah. And then th- throw it in a fucking tortilla with some good. Like a thicker know, base. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hot. That sounds good. It's hot. That sounds so good. I was sweating. That's good, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Can't beat it. No, it, you know, it was... And I, I like I like to do all kinds of different things. I mean, pot roast, you know, mm-hmm. cook tenderloins. Uh, I do stroganoffs, too. All mm-hmm. kinds of good Stroganoffs yeah. and stews. Fajitas. <sighs> How do you like the fajitas? They're good. What do you... What do you pri- when you're doing, like, stroganoffs and stews, which cuts... Are you primarily are you cutting out to yeah. to do that with backstraps? Because I yeah. know you said the pit the pit yeah. was the backstraps. I mean, I so. love so like all the roasts and everything are like shoulder roasts and you know yeah. hams and stuff. But as far as like backstraps, you know neck meat, if I can pat, maybe pound it out a little bit. But those kinds of cuts. Yeah. And usually like with the with the a struggling off, I don't use pork. Mm-hmm. So it's usually like deer. Yeah, it's gonna be venison or, or duck. Yeah. Goose. You know, yeah, yeah. red meat. Um, and. You know, just uh, my mom's old homemade sauce that she kind of yeah. passed down the recipe. and For sure. It's pretty good. For I sure. like it. You know, it's so funny. and I can't remember who I was talking to about this just recently, but a bunch of people always call me crazy, you know, because, like, up with backstrap, I like to make, like, venison jerky or right. elk jerky with backstrap, you know, or I like to do, like, stews with backstrap or, you know, like, all these different... Uh, stroganoff with backstrap people are like how could you waste a backstrap like that and i'm yeah. like but the backstrap's the best part and i want the best part in what i'm cooking it is and pig it's like you know so like deer yeah i can do a lot of different things with a lot of the with the deer meat because um pork is just different there's yeah. only so many things that i can do with it i mean if you told me okay what are you going to do with this pig you know like a big boar i'm going to cut the backstraps out and probably maybe save a ham and grind the rest of it in the sausage <laughs> right yeah good but if you get like you know 100, 100 130 pound sow then i'm gonna i'm not grinding any of it yeah you know, i'm gonna cut my meat up steaks and chops and stuff and then yeah. and just come up with dishes so yeah i enjoy it you know my fiance she she tries you know yeah but uh she's coming <laughs> along <laughs> that's awesome yeah all right what's up everybody Welcome to the Legion OST DIY Outdoors Podcast. Today I'm sitting here with Blake Manning and uh, we're going to kind of go over a bunch of different stuff. I'm kind of excited. We're going to talk a little bit about fishing for steelhead and then uh, dive into other subjects and rabbit holes and see where we come out on the other end. You know, hopefully it's not some crazy used up hunts or anything like that or uh you know anyways jumping into it welcome to the podcast i'm pumped that you're here I'm pumped thanks to be for here. thanks for making the drive down we've tried three times yeah and uh i think i fucked up one time and then last last week it was just gonna get too late yeah it's all good i i just 
the my work schedule, man, I drive most of the day. Well, I'm all traffic, over the damn dude. Place. Yeah, and then the last traffic thing I in drive Sonoma from, County uh, is fucked up. Yeah, I lived in Santa Rosa for two years, and that's about the last time, and that was enough, you know. Um, now if, I'm north if, of the smog line. If I could, if I could be up up where up further north, if I could be up that way, yeah, and not down this way or have to commute down this way. I thought about moving up that way, buying a house up there and then taking the train down. Yeah, to work. But I don't want to ride the fucking train because the train's the dumbest shit I've yeah, ever seen on the planet. Right. I don't want to be a creator of the traffic problems. No. And that train is the creator, and anyone on it is part of the fucking problem. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> right? Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, man? So my name is Blake. Uh, you know, I'm born and raised up in the Hillsburg-Cloverdale area. Um, I've been hunting and fishing my whole life. Uh, 29 years old, just recently. I, we're going to get married here in a few months. So that's exciting. Uh, Selling but, uh, your soul to the exactly, devil. Exactly. You know, and when we first started dating, the first thing I told her, I'm like, hey, I love to hunt and fish. And uh, you need to understand that you can never ask me not to go. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So she finds ways around not asking, you know, telling yeah. me not to go or whatever. But uh, Oh, for sure. All they right. all do, man. Yeah. They're vindictive like that. But, uh, yeah, I grew up uh, fishing and, you know... Um, I can, you know, when somebody asks me, like, do you remember the first deer or pig you killed or the first steelhead you caught? I can remember the first two deer that I put into a archery site and a rifle site. Mm-hmm. I remember the first pig I killed, mm-hmm. and I remember the first steelhead I caught. Mm-hmm. And those things are, like, ingrained into my brain. In your soul. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and those were quite a few years ago. Uh-huh. I'm only 29, but, you know, you're talking. When did you start killing how old were you? I caught my first steelhead, and my dad said I was about four or five. Really? Yeah, and I was, it was it's, I remember it too, but uh, there was a line of like 12 guys in this hole. And I was right in the line with them, casting a Baycaster, <laughs> a GL2 with a uh, Shimano, what was it, Crestfire reel. Uh-huh. And uh, I still got the rod, don't have the reel. And, uh-huh, uh, that's too bad. And I hooked this fish, and I'm a four or five year old kid casting a baitcaster. Most people don't even know how to use a baitcaster, you know. Yeah. And uh, baitcasters are so easy to cast. Yeah, I don't know yeah. why people bird nest. Yeah, I, I don't know. I've been doing it so long, so I'm... right. <laughs> it's just second nature. But uh, I hooked this fish, man, and I fought it, and everyone watched me, and you know, and I landed it, and and you know, ripped the gills out because that's what my dad taught me to do was rip the gills out. That's the first thing Bleed you do to kill a fish, and. Uh, and I th- threw it up on a bank, and I took a couple pictures. And ever since then, when I go talk, you know, see somebody for the first couple times of the new year, mm-hmm. they'll always bring that story up. It's funny. Mm-hmm. And uh, and ever since then, it's been just you know, that's when I started steelhead fishing. So there's like, you know, I'm looking on here about the whole like mentor thing, you know. Mm-hmm. So my dad taught me how to fish. Yeah. I mean, he probably taught me 95 percent of the stuff. The other five percent I picked up along the way from other guys who. Who were really good so fishing. your dad kind of taught you that outdoors lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. And he used to hunt. He used to do a lot of pig hunting with dogs and stuff. And his brother shot himself back in like 98 or 99. Mm-hmm. He got rid of all his guns except for one. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, he stopped hunting. Um, so I didn't grow up with him hunting. But yeah. uh, he definitely taught me how to fish. Yeah. And so the hunting thing came a little later. Mm-hmm. So, Did... Uh, did, were you alive when your uncle yeah. 
you were. Yeah, so, it, and that was I like, mean, if you want to, we don't have to talk No, about no, it. it was a whole shaker just for the family, you know? For me, as somebody yeah. who survived a right. suicide attempt. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so he, he his, uh, like, right-hand man found him uh, laying on the floor in uh, the, the called the paint shed. And I grew up on a piece of property. Yeah. Right, 60 acres. My grandparents lived on it. My aunt and uncle and my cousins lived on it. And then my parents and we lived on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, there were three houses with a little winery in, uh, in the front. And mm-hmm. uh, he ended up finding him. And my dad walked in there and found him. And, and ever since then, for quite, quite a few years, he, like, had a hatred for guns. Mm-hmm. And he kept one in the house. Mm-hmm. And I eventually for got protection. that. Yeah, I eventually yeah. got that when I was, like, I think... 11 or 12 so he hated guns for like four or five years yeah and uh you know i used to chase turkeys and stuff around the property mm-hmm. and uh with a pellet gun yeah just you know running around trying to shoot them <laughs> and shit <laughs> and uh you know like nobody taught me what a no trespassing sign was let's be honest here as a kid because yeah. me and my friends would go running around you know and and uh and eventually when i left there i was going to a school in geyserville and when i left geyserville elementary i went to hillsburg and i started to meet kids you know that like to hunt and fish and stuff and the one guy that comes to mind that really was my mentor mm-hmm. with hunting is a guy named mike and he's an older italian guy yeah i grew up with his son mm-hmm. and he took me under his wing and took me hunting all the time yeah taught me the do's and don'ts you know um you know he taught me all the ethics and everything mm-hmm. and uh <clears throat> and this these so you know these guys they killed giant bucks. Yeah. I mean, we're talking bucks that, you know, people would see on Instagram, but like, damn, that's a big blacktail. Wow, blacktails like that Coastal actually exist? 20-inch, 24-inch blacktail. Yeah. I mean, you know, and they cut the, they whack the horns off and throw them on the fence or throw them, you know, around in the cabin. And now, do you ever remember the post back here on, uh, what is that, uh, Old Adobe? Mm-mm. You never saw that there's a guy who had a cross. Really? In his front yard. And there's probably like a hundred different buck skulls. Yeah. Just just the caps, not the full skull. Just the caps screwed in. And there's four by fours down to little forkies, everything. And it was all bucks from around here. Yeah. Just monsters, though, on there. Yeah, you know, and he, he like, and when I talk about this sometimes, I get emotional because he mm-hmm. doesn't understand what he did for me. Yeah. You know, like, my dad taught me how to fish. I love to fish. And he taught me how to hunt. Yeah. And he, I'd be over, you know, when his kid, my buddy Andrew, when he'd be in there playing video games, I'd be in the living room with his dad talking about hunting. And no way. Telling me stories. Yeah, till 12 in the morning. Yeah. You know, and when I used to go hunting, when he used to take me out to their ranch, I used to stay up all fucking night, not be able to sleep. Yeah. You know, and I remember the first deer, I remember, so tell a story and we can start diving into some of this yeah dude so there's hey there's no there's no format all right do whatever you want sounds good so i get invited i was probably and i just got my actual hunting license Mm -hmm. i was about probably maybe 12 or 12 probably 12 because yeah it was my first deer hunt he invited me to go out there so i went out there his dad really couldn't walk he had surgery and it's both of his knees he had knee braces on and stuff so we walked down regular road and didn't see anything and then we got in the truck and went down you know you know around the road a little bit and uh you know we're sitting there driving and we get out on this little lookout and we look out and there's a deer standing there looking at like maybe 100 110 yards in yeah i got an open side 30 30 that my dad gave me yeah buckhorn right? 
and uh, just old Marlin from yeah. like that back in the seventies or eighties. Yeah. And he's like, he looked at it. He's like, it's a buck. I'm like, oh, he puts put your gun up here on the door sill, you know, in the yeah. window panel where we got the door open and stuff, and we're sitting there, and. I tell you what, my front bead was jumping 20 feet around that deer from shaking so much. Buck fever. I tell you what, if I pulled the trigger, that I wasn't going to hit it. Yeah. You know, and I'm just sitting there shaking, and my friend Andrew's sitting there, and he's like, calm down, boy, calm down, you know? Uh-huh. It was seemed probably like, was really like 10 minutes, seemed like a half an hour or an hour, and we were just sitting there waiting for the deer to turn to see if it was legal, and it was a spike. He says, oh, don't shoot it. And ever since that moment, mm-hmm. That was it. Your hook. That was it. That adrenaline. Twelve spike. years old, like I mean, you know, like chasing turkeys and stuff with a BB gun or a pellet gun, you know, or a twenty-two was one thing, but that was just it. And then the following year, I killed my first pig on that same place. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, from there, the the addiction started and hasn't stopped. <laughs> <laughs> Still going strong. Yeah. So. You were talking, your dad got you into fishing. Yeah. Catch first fish around four. You do a lot of steelhead fishing. I do a lot of fishing in general. Okay. I mean, but I don't do any ocean fishing. I do all river fishing. River and like. I mean, and like, here's something that caught my interest too was like, you're. Were you tying, not flies, you're tying bait? Just tying leaders. Tying, well, I know that. You're talking about when I was actually tying bait. When you're tying bait? Yeah. So. Explain what was going on there. So my dad used to pay me. Well, he never paid me because I never got any money out of it, but he told me. He told you he'd pay you. He told me he'd pay me. He just paid you an experience. So when I was a kid, he'd have me and my buddy Ben tie up what he calls berries, and that's just taking moline and putting steelhead row in the berry. Mm -hmm. Now what's moline? It's like a netting. Okay. Right? So it's orange, so it blends in with the row. Yeah. It conserves the bait. So you're a lot more conservative than fishing a loose bait, so you don't go through as much. Yeah, you ain't losing it. And when the smolts are in the river, baby steelhead, six-inch steelhead, they don't eat the crap out of it, and you have to rebait every two minutes. Yeah. Right? So <clears throat> he taught me how to do that. <clears throat> I used to do it. Uh, years I did it. And then I stopped doing it because I got tired of doing it when I realized I wasn't getting any money out of it. Mm-hmm. You know? And then, and then I just... Uh, it, after... I started fishing more and more. Like, we stockpile bait. That's what we do with steelhead rail. Mm-hmm. And so the more that I would bring home, the more bait that him and I would have, or the more that he would bring home, the more row we would have. And then we wouldn't have to tie berries anymore. Mm-hmm. We started fishing loose bait. Mm-hmm. So, and it was just something that I haven't tied berries like that and probably maybe. I mean, you, it looked like an art form. Yeah. You did a real good job at yeah. it. Yeah. You know, I haven't done it in probably like maybe 10 years. Mm-hmm. And something like, so talk about like euphoric recall, smells and things that you do, like yeah. reminds you of your childhood and stuff. That's something, that little form of meditation, whatever it is, took me back to my childhood. Uh-huh. And, uh, and that's why, that's the only reason why I posted it on Instagram. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Now, so. you went fishing like a couple of days after that and you were like, I'm, I'm wearing a glove because this shit uh, dries yeah, out my hand. Yeah. Was that from doing what you were doing? So when I was a kid, I used to never wear a glove. Uh-huh. I used to never have any problems. And about maybe five or six years ago, I don't know if I developed an allergy or what the hell happened, but my hands, like right now, like you can kind of see right there, like it's not too bad now because I wear a glove now, but if I don't wear a glove, man, my hands crack, bleed, 
Really? From whatever the hell was in there. From handling the row. It's either what we put in it or it's either the bait. Yeah. That's and, crazy. And and I don't know what does it, but man, it's brutal and it cracks and burns, hurts and it's just Chasing chasing fish into the gates of insanity. Yeah, you know, and I, I wear a glove now and I used to not I used to I don't I don't know. Wearing a rubber glove is just freaking weird, you know. Yeah. Or but like I, a text glove or something. But like. I got used to it and now it's just like I would way rather wear a glove and not have my hands crack and bleed. Yeah, I bet you know? I bet. Yeah. <laughs> I bet. So uh, That sounds pretty uncomfortable. Yeah, but that's what that's what the whole reason with the blue glove is. Uh huh. It's for that reason. Yeah, because I swear, didn't you post a picture of your hands super dried out too? Yeah, that was from like five years ago. Oh, okay, so that was an old picture. Might have, I don't know, it might have been last year. I, I think it might have been like five years. It was somewhere okay. in the past, but yeah, it wasn't this season. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy, man. So when you're out walking around on the river and you're, and you're trying to figure out where you're going to fish or however you're going to do it, because it's all normally around wintertime storms and stuff like that, right? Yeah. In between storms. Are you looking for like... Uh, like backwater flow or like into like a like a eddy or anything like that or what do you when you're trying to figure out i mean i'm sure now you have your spots that you fish mm-hmm. you know but like what were you looking for when you were trying to find your spots for steelhead fishing well every river is different uh-huh um the rivers around here are different than the rivers in southern oregon yeah the fish in california for some reason from like the smith down you catch steelhead in holes Mm-hmm. To where, like, this fish up in southern Oregon, and even on the Smith, you catch them in the riffles and tailouts and stuff. Yeah. So it just depends on where I'm fishing. But now, a tailout would be is that when the water comes in and kind of. A tailout's, yeah, where you got kind of a chute, and mm-hmm. then it goes from fast to slow, mm-hmm. and it kind of slows down, might okay. be above a riffle. Yeah. So the fish generally like to go up a riffle and lay in a tailout. Okay. You know? Yeah. Um, or hold in a hole. Mm-hmm. You know? It just. The thing, it depends on water clarity, the conditions, you mm-hmm. know, which river it is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, because, like, the fish around here, uh, I've caught fish in some places where you're like, what in the hell? Is there even a fish doing here? It just, like, the eight, seven, eight feet off of the bank I'm standing. Yeah. And you wouldn't ever think that a fish would be there, but it's just, you know, and that might be because they're lazy. I don't yeah. know. You know? Wild fish are a lot different than hatchery fish. Uh-huh. And hatchery fish seem to be freaking lazy. Yeah, which is what we have around here. Yeah, we got both wild and hatchery. More, um, more hatchery than wild? Yeah, you hook a hatchery and you know it's a hatchery. You hook a wild fish, you know it's a wild fish. Like, all right, fish on. Yeah, the wild fish just fight probably five times better. Yeah. Come out of the water doing cartwheels, running up and down. It's just, you know. Yeah. I don't know what it is. They maybe they just have to go farther up in the river into the tributaries and mm-hmm. stuff, and they're just that much of a better fighting fish. I have no idea. Yeah. So essentially, when you're out looking, you're looking for holes. Are you looking for like deep holes? Yeah. Or? Yep. Deep holes. You know, um, holes that might have like a swirly water in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, the it's one of those things where if it's if you can see the bottom, the fish probably aren't going to be there, and they're probably not going to bite. Yeah. Some rivers that's not the case because like a smaller tributary river. You know, um, that is low and clear. You can catch fish in it. But yeah. as far as the rivers that I fish, if it's really, really low and clear, odds are the fish are going to be up under, like, willows, structured behind logs, you know, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. So that's what I look for. Okay. You know, and it, over the years, I've been able to find new places. Yeah. But like I said, I've caught fish. There's a few places where, like, when I take when my drift boat, 
I catch fish almost every time. And yeah. In some places, randomly there's fish there. Yeah. You know. Right. So. So when you're tying leaders, how are you tying them? So I. Yeah. I, I mean, if you don't want to talk about it, I nah, guess. I don't Because like my sturgeon leaders. Yeah. I won't talk about how I tie a sturgeon leader. It's just a simple bait loop. Uh huh. You know, three to four foot later with I use ten pound test. Yeah. Just maximum ultra game. Mm-hmm. Size either four or size two Gamagatsu octopus hook. Mm-hmm. And are they uh, still red? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's what I that's what I use, and that's what I've been doing for twenty five fucking years. Yeah. And it hasn't stopped working. And it just always works. It works. You know, it's one of those. It's one of those things where I have a hard time changing something that's been working for so long. Now, can you throw an extra weight on there, or can you not throw weight on your leader, or do you? No. Like a little slider or no, a split so shot? No, so I'll have the hook, the bait loop, mm-hmm. and either have like a corky, a spinning glow on the leader, or just run a straight puffball on the hook. Okay. Bait. And then to a snap or a barrel swivel with a sliding snap swivel that has a weight on it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Simple setup. Yeah, you know, people get all want to get all technical, and there's all kinds of these new different lines and everything. And well, they're like we can get weighted line now, like all different kinds of crazy stuff. It's pretty. Uh, I'm pretty simple, basic. Yeah, keep it back to the stuff that works from the old days. You know, I got yeah, and that, I have like all these new rods are coming out. I have rods mm-hmm. that I probably won't use anymore because they're probably worth some money. Yeah, and G Loomis doesn't make them. Yeah, they haven't made them for 25 years. Oh wow. Yeah, and. Uh, I'm kind of rod collector with the old, like, those kinds of rods. Have you made your own rod yet? No. If you ever want to, let me know. Really? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. My, uh, I don't, I don't make rods. Yeah. I'd never attempt, because I'd probably fuck it up. My (coughs) dad, and anybody who listens to the podcast has heard me talk about my dad making his own trad bows and, Mm -hmm. you know, all that kind of stuff. He makes all his own fishing poles. He makes all his own fly rods. He makes his own poke poles. Everything. So if you ever want to know, man. Really? Okay. I'll take you down there. He'll school you on anything you would ever need to know. Hmm. And he's got the setup to do anything. All right. Yeah. Yeah, he always loves to talk about all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, if I was to, like, give anybody any advice that wanted to get into sealhead fishing. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, go to your local fishing store and, you know, I mean, I'd buy like, you know, it's like buying a rifle or a bow. Right. If you want to go with the best, then go with the best. If you want to go with a middle of the road solution, that works too. Yeah. You know, and try to find somebody that might know something. If somebody's actually listening to this, you know, and listening to me talk right now, you could hit me up on my Instagram. I'll give you some pointers and stuff. Yeah. Um, What's your Instagram name? California Outdoorsman. Is there an underscore nope. or any just straight, straight across? Up. California outdoorsman. That's right. Nice. I wanted I wanted American sportsman like Kurt Dowdy. If anybody's from like used to watch like the old fishing shows from the early eighties, Kurt Dowdy was like the uh-huh. dude. Yeah. He was like the American sportsman. Yeah. Somebody had that already, so Yeah. <laughs> my my favorite fisherman to watch when I was growing up was Jimmy Houston. Yeah, he's cool too. I watched all of Banjo Minnow, baby. Yeah. I used to take I used to take the banzo minnow setup. Yeah. And I used to put it on a, a God, what was the bait called? It was a it was a nine inch worm that had the arms. Walking worm? I, nah, it had arms that came off of it, right? Uh-huh. 
And it was it was it was a fucked up bait looking like it was scary looking. Yeah. Right? As a kid I shouldn't have been using it. Gave me nightmares probably. But I used to put the banjo meno setup on my worms instead of on the banjo minnows. Right. Huh. And I I mean the biggest bass I ever caught back then was like seven or eight pounds, nine pounds. But it worked like a charm. Thanks, Jimmy Houston. Too right. bad banjo minnows yeah. not around anymore. So what kind of so you were talking about your rods? Yeah. So what's your whole like? What's your setup? What's your ideal setup? How are you running it? What's your rod? What's your reel? What's your pound test? I got a a G. Well, it depends. So there's if I'm fishing heavier line, mm-hmm. big water. I have a GL two that I like. It's an older GL two. It's made uh-huh. by when Gary Loomis actually made his rods. Uh huh. And then I have a GL, or a, not a GL, I have a G Loomis IMX. That's an old one. I have two of them. One of them, one of them was made back in like 78, and oh, I actually wow. retired that because I don't want to break it. Yeah. When I break it, they ain't replacing it. Yeah. And then I have a newer IMX that I like. And then so both of those rods have a Shimano 250 CTE Calcutta, mm-hmm. and that's with 10-pound Maxima. Mm-hmm. And the simple setup I just talked about, it doesn't really change, mm-hmm. you know, and... Um, and that's what I run. And yeah. a lot of guys, they got all these new fancy rods and stuff. I mean, my reels were fancy back in the day. They're yeah. Still, there's you. If you were, they're still buy top brand, of the line. Yeah. If you just, were to go buy one, it'd be like probably four hundred fifty bucks. Yeah. You know. Um, but what I would be- recommend for somebody who's you know starting out, Lama Glass makes a good rod. I think it's like the X eleven. Uh-huh. It's like a hundred dollar rod. Yeah. You know, um, that rod's good. You know, you can get. You can probably get a decent setup for a few hundred bucks. So you could walk, say, if someone was going to plan on getting into it and they wanted to get some waders and some The line, whole package. The whole package, like 500 bucks, could they walk out the door? I think a whole package, you could probably walk out maybe like, including license and steel card. Mm-hmm. Maybe like six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, rod reel, all the line hooks, uh... You know, Spanglows, Corkies, all that stuff, waders, mm-hmm. 600 bucks. Really? Yeah. That's not bad. No, that's like, that's like you're on the river fishing. Yeah. You're going. Yeah. And uh, That's way better than hunting. Oh, yeah. I mean, it can get expensive, but, you know, but uh, for yeah. the most part, I have a lot more money <clears throat> in hunting gear than I do fishing gear. Yeah, for sure. I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Different beast. <laughs> My buddy is coming up in a couple of weeks. And uh, he wants to get into archery, you know, whether it be from the Joe Rogan podcast mm-hmm. or whatever. And he's like, well, how much money should I expect to spend buying a bow? And my my whole approach with archery and rifle equipment is like buy once, cry once. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I was like, well, it depends. I was like, are you trying, you know, and I told him, I was like, I know you, you know, so you're going to buy this stuff. And a year from now, you're going to come back and you're going to buy everything the best. That's the thing. If you have that person, yeah, I would suggest to throw the money out one And just time. do it one time. Yeah. So he's all, well, he's all, well, what should I budget for? And I was like, for archery? If you want to get into archery hunting, 2500 bucks. And he's like, what? And I was like, well, you're new. You don't have... Nothing. You don't have the gear. You don't have, you know, and he's like, well, can I get some, like, cheap stuff and this and that and the other thing? And I was like, well, you could, but I know you, and, you know. So, anyways, we came to a middle of the road solution, 
which is he's going to come up with 800 bucks and get a kit bow and some arrows. Hmm. And then he's like, well, is there like a kit bow I could get for 400 bucks? And I was like, there is, but I'm not allowing you. Yeah, to. Right. Like, that's just not going to fly <laughs> around here, bud. But, okay, so that's awesome. So, <clears throat> is there, would you say there's much difference in like, you know, getting real setups or... You know, and, and and are you using spinners? Are you using bay casters? You fly? I use all bay casters. You do? That's it. Why is that? Because that's just what I... The accuracy of casting is better. There's more torque on the reel. You have a lot more control, I feel. Uh-huh. Um, and that's what I've been using for... And I feel when you're bouncing bait, mm-hmm. you can feel the bite a lot better with a bait casting rod than you can with a spinning rod. And now is that just because the tip is a lot... The eyes on a spinning rod, the the line is actually laying on the eyes, mm-hmm. and the rod is above the eyes, mm-hmm. to where with a bait casting rod, the line is laying on the eyes, but it's laying on top of the rod. Yeah. So you feel everything. So when that line gets pulled, it's not pulling the rod down in the sense of like pulling from the guide. Exactly. It's actually pulling, it's from, pulling the from the rod. rod. Yeah. And you can feel every bump. Yeah. Right? So, and that's the other thing, you know, some people like to fish with slinkies, which are weights that you make. Yeah. People like to fish with straight lead. Yeah. Um, for the rivers around here, I like to fish the egg, they're like called teardrop or egg drop weights. Yeah. You can feel everything with those. Yeah. The whole bottom, and I like to feel everything. Yeah. Because I like, I can differentiate a bite from the bottom. Mm-hmm. A lot of people can, a lot of people have a hard time. Um, the big thing within the last probably like eight years is the bouncing Betty balls, the cannon balls that people are using because they're a lot less snaggable. Mm-hmm. But you can't feel the bottom really. With oh, those really? Yeah, I can't stand fishing with them. Yeah, you don't know what you're hitting. No, but like up in southern Oregon on a river that has boulders and a lot of big river rock, mm-hmm. you kind of have to use something like that or a slinky. You yeah. can't use what I use down here. Yeah, So because you're not, you're up there you're going to get wrapped up in the cracks of the rocks underneath the exactly. water and whatnot. Yeah. That happened to me a lot. I was fishing on the Rogue River, did a seven-day rafting mm-hmm. trip down there, and we are fishing the whole way down, and I couldn't stop getting snags. Yeah. It's a pain in the ass. Yeah, it's a trip up there Yeah, in southwestern Oregon. It's yeah. one of my favorite places to fish, but... It's some of the most beautiful country I've ever been in on the planet. Yeah. I think southwest Oregon and Kodiak, Alaska are my favorite. Have you been to Kodiak, Alaska? I've been all over Alaska. What the fuck are you doing in Alaska? <laughs> Dude, I've been fishing all over that state. Like salmon fishing? And... Salmon, halibut, mostly salmon. Really? Yeah. What's your biggest salmon you ever caught up there? We got one in the boat that was like 81 on the Kenai. Get the fuck out of town. Yeah. My first trip to Alaska 81 was... pound salmon? Yeah. You're full of shit. Swear to God. I swear to you. No way. Yeah, Do you I have a picture? Not, Dude, not, you have... not here. I'll, I'll, oh. post one on, I'll post one on social. Yeah. I'll yeah. get a hold of it from my photo. Um, this is back when they had the Kodak pictures, you know. Yeah. Wind it up and snap it. Yeah. And I got a photo disposable album. Disposable camera. Yep. I got a photo album full of disposable photos. Well, I swear just recently you did, if I remember correctly, you did post some pictures from one of those Alaska trips, like in the last three months maybe. I don't know. Some old... Some old salmon photos you dug up somewhere. I've been to Alaska probably like 13 times. And are you doing guided trips up there? Uh, we went to Quijack, mm-hmm. which is over in Iliamna. That was a lodge my mm-hmm. dad took us to. This was 
So the first time I went to Alaska was with my dad and my brother. Yeah. I was probably nine. Really? Eight or nine. Yeah, dude. What the and fuck? And my brother was like five. Oh and my, my dad's God. hauling us up there. That had to be so much fun. And you know what? Uh, one of the rivers, the Quijack River, is baitless. Really? And I was over there grabbing skeins that they were throwing in the water of row, and I was putting it on a hook, man, and throwing it out there and fishing bait. They're mm-hmm. like, you can't do that. You know, I didn't know any better. Yeah, you're that's nine what we do back old. here. But uh, so we went to Quijack, and then after, I don't know if it was the following year or a couple years after that, we went to Kodiak. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and we flew into Kodiak from Anchorage. Yeah. We took a little one-prop plane from Kodiak to Carluck. No way! Now is that the kind of is that the kind where they have to know exact weights of everything? Oh yeah, so this the is plane like doesn't get all fucked up. You're landing on a grass strip in a native village that no there's like way. 15 people. Yeah, and there ain't nobody else. And my dad, I don't know how the hell my dad found this guy. Yeah, but it was on the Carlock River, and his name was Eli. He was a native native Alaskan. Mm-hmm. Well, they were all native. Yeah, you yeah. know they and they actually the kids would fly into Kodiak. For four months out of the year to go to school. Really? Yeah, it was a trip, and they would get all the stuff. Four months a year of school. Yeah, that's fucked. They would dude, get, I wish my school was only four months. Yeah, out. I know, right? So they would get flown there, and then they would get their, all their groceries and stuff flown in like twice a month. Yeah, you know, gas and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, anyways, we went there. It was amazing. I never seen so many bears. Really? Yeah. So like, you know, I talk to people like my friends. Some of them are afraid of black bears around here. Mm-hmm. I'm not joking. North of 128. I'm not freaking joking. And people are like, oh, you're so full of shit when you say this. So I'm sitting there fishing. And I got like, there's three bears all within 80, 90 yards of me right Mm -hmm. here. And there's a couple over here. And they're out in the river fishing. And I'm fishing. And the guide's up there with a 45, 70 maybe with a rifle sitting in the boat. Mm -hmm. And my dad's fishing over here. And I hear something walking behind me in the water. And I turn around. And I'm not joking, like 25 feet. It's Mm -hmm. probably a 1,200-pound bear. And it looks at me, and I can see his pupils dilating. Mm-hmm. And it starts grunting, and I'm just looking at it. And I got my Kodak. And here mm-hmm. I am, snapping pictures. Of the bear? Of the bear, 25 no feet away as it's walking right by me, dude. And my dad's like, Blake, get over here. Blake, get over here. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there snapping pictures, you know, and the guide's kind of, you know, speed walking over. And, and uh, the bear just walked out and was doing its thing. Because there was thousands of fish in the river. The river was black. I mean, it was just With crazy. fish. Yeah, the last yeah. thing the bear cared was about, you know. Eating but, a man. So, that moment, I've never, I, like, in California, I don't like mountain lions. Yeah. Can't stand them. I'm afraid of them almost. Mountain yeah. lions should die. But a black bear, I have no fear mm-hmm. at all. It's weird. I, I walk in the woods up in B-Zone, and I don't ever think about coming across a bear. Yeah. It, like, but a mountain lion... It's a little, it's a little different. I don't know why that is. There's only one place in my life where I ever got spooked about mountain lions, and that was in Nevada. Right. And I was walking in some thick dunes, and I just had this feeling like a mountain lion's gonna jump out of this tr- these trees and eat me. It's the only time in my life I ever had that. Mountain lions are bizarre, man. Well, the thing is, is. They're there and you don't even know it. And you're never going to know. No. And the only time you're going to know is when it's going to be too late, in my mm-hmm. opinion. I agree. And in my opinion, they're the best in California. They're the best hunter in the woods. Yeah. They beat us by far. I mean, we got a bow or a gun. Yeah. I mean, and they, you know, yeah. Well, so. there, there's a guy from California named Jake. Jake. Mm-hmm. 
who got into a tussle with a mountain lion this year. And it was crazy. It was crazy. It's one of those things where there's not a lot of attacks here, but I just, it's just, you know, something that, I don't know, can't explain it. But anyway, yeah. so getting back on track here with tall tales over here. I know, right? <laughs> Diving yeah. down rabbit holes. Yeah, right. We're, so yeah. Alaska, Alaska, there's a bear behind you. Yeah. Somehow we ended up in California with mountain lions. So, yeah, so, you know, ever since there, I, lo I love the state of Alaska. Yeah. The fish. The wildlife, the bears, you know, there's all wolves howling at night and shit. I mean, Not, it's just like trip a different place. How how much do, do you know off the top of your head, roughly, what a trip to Alaska costs? If, if a you DIY? Look yeah, were you, or with a guide. A DIY? Well, it depends what you're talking about. I mean... The stuff that you were doing. Well, that those trips, I can't imagine what... This is back in the 90s, mid-90s. Oh, yeah. So. It's a long time ago. Yeah, we're talking... Old you know, fart. But I would say... DIY trip, Alaska to the Kenai River in Soldana, mm -hmm. uh, 10 days, not a lodge, but like a hotel, kind of like a, where we stay, it's kind of like a, an apartment, kind of a motel thing, it's weird. Yeah. But uh, I think you could probably get away with a 10-day trip up there doing that DIY, probably around like 3500 That's not even bad. Four grand. No, I don't dude. feel like that's bad. No, and you can bring all the meat back from Alaska. Bring all the right? fish back, and that's like hundreds and hundreds of pounds that you come back with. One year we brought back like four hundred fifty, five hundred pounds of, of fish. salmon. Salmon and salmon halibut, halibut, or just salmon. Salmon, salmon and halibut. halibut. What's your biggest halibut you ever caught up there? No, that the biggest one I got was like ninety. Uh huh. You know? One of my buddies caught like a four hundred eighty-one pounder up there. Yeah, so They're if huge. you go to Seward or not Seward, if you go to like Sitka, Juneau, you know those mm -hmm. places are really well known for halibut fishing. Even Seward has big halibut, but like Homer, anywhere in the Cook Inlet, the Chicken Flats, mm -hmm. there's not that big a halibut. That's where my dad went. I yeah. think was like Homer. Yeah. You know, but uh, those, and the, here's the problem. Is, but not is big, but still like 40 just, or 50 pounds. No. And I think, honestly, so, I think a fish over 400 pounds should be let go for, mm -hmm. breed, you know, eggs, all that stuff. Yeah. You know, like, it, I feel even my dad said when we killed that fish that was 81 pounds of salmon, he feels like it was a sin. Uh-huh. Now, then he didn't care, care. But the decline in population of big salmon. Yeah makes us think well we should never kill that fish because of how many more eggs is that fish carrying than genetics the man yeah. it's like wiping them out yeah so in back when we first went to alaska they would get like 1.5 million sockeye in the kenai and now this last year was the first year they closed sockeye fishing on the kenai because because they didn't even get their quota i kept wanting to say herd numbers but it's not a herd no it's a sc <laughs> yeah school the school number. of yeah. fish the school it it was just and that's shocking yeah and you know there's a huge controversy of people saying oh it's you know commercial fishermen charters guides i think it's everything to be honest with you but mm -hmm. it's just my opinion popularity too yeah of the sport so getting back down here to the lower 48 <laughs> Back down to California yeah, River. Uh, no, uh, Alaska's probably my favorite state to yeah. fish, right? Oregon. California's cool. We have great fishing, but, I mean, let's be real. I've been to some of the best places in the world to fish. Yeah. And uh, been blessed to be able to do those. So, you also do drift boats. You mentioned it already. Mm -hmm. What kind of... How? I mean, tell me about drift. I've never drift boat fished in my life, so... So I got a Willie's drift boat, mm -hmm. sixteen. I think it's it's actually might be a seventeen foot. Um, 
I kind of learned rowing around in an estuary, uh-huh. and then my buddies and I decided to take it up in the Smith and fish up there. Was and, that uh, a disaster or a success? We were supposed to follow somebody down the river. My dad's buddy Jimmy Dean, like the sausage, and that's his name. And he was a guide up there, <laughs> and we were supposed to follow him down the river. And he decided he wasn't going to go all the way. Oh, and he was going to actually motor back up. Well, I didn't have a motor, so I had to go. And he's like, "You got this, Blake. Just go for it." Uh huh. I'm like. Right on, let's go. Yeah. So we're going down the river, man. We almost flipped the boat twice. Uh, you know, it, it just it it's one of those things where you can't learn to drive without doing it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So along the years, it's been a uh, you know I've learned to row, and I'm pretty confident with most rivers. Yeah. In situations. Yeah. But yeah, it's just a boat that you know takes you down the river. You can go into shallow water riffles and everything, and it's just a style I like to steal a fish. Help helps you keep the the terrain changing. Mm-hmm. So you're not just stuck there in waders. Yeah. In the no, same mile from, or two. Get away from people and you have more opportunity to fish. Uh-huh. Rather than fishing the same hole looking at the same bank for six hours, you're fishing nine miles of river, hitting every hole possible that possibly have fish in it. Uh-huh. Is there any trips or ticks? Any trips or ticks? Any tips or tricks? <laughs> <laughs> that you can offer anybody that maybe wants to uh, get into drift boat. So here's the deal: is I would, I mean, I wouldn't recommend to go buy one and just take it down the river. Mm-hmm. I'd recommend to either go with somebody who has one and see how it is. Maybe, maybe pay ask a guide a little bit, or go with a guide. Yeah. And um, even if you want to get into steel and fishing in general, go with a guide on your local river. Uh-huh. You're gonna know. You're gonna see where exactly he's fishing where he thinks the fish are, what he's using, how he's using it, yeah. and just take all that shit and go do it the next day. Yeah, you without know? the guide. Yeah, because that's what I used to do on a new river. Yeah. I'd hire a guy one day. I'd have my boat up there, yeah. and he'd see me in my boat the next day and be like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> They're like, hey, thanks for the float yesterday. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, because uh, that's, that, that's the best way. If you don't to have, learn. If you don't have anybody to show you, yeah. you know, a guide costs two two fifty. Yeah. So, I mean, and that I'm gonna we're we're gonna do a split here. <clears throat> you bring up an interesting point because I know people. I don't know about for fishing because I don't know. I mean, I only know a couple fishing guides. Yeah, and I've never talked about that kind of stuff with them. Mm-hmm. But as for hunting goes, would you pay a guide and then go take the guide spot hunting? I've gone on one guided hunt. Uh-huh. My dad got me when I was like 13 for yeah. my birthday with uh, Bob Larson out on the hillside ranch out Skag Springs. Yeah. And he hooked me up because he knows the owner of that ranch. And mm-hmm. the owner's like, he can't come out here hunting, but he can go with the guide and I'll hook you guys up. Yeah. yeah. So, which is a great ranch. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And anyway, so that's the only time I went with a guide for a pig hunt. Mm-hmm. Um as far as going with the guide and going to their spot on public land, yeah, I don't think I'd do that. Uh huh. You know, that's that's feel like, like, but you feel like there's a difference between a river. I yeah, I mean, well, see, that's the thing is I we're going to talk ethics here a little bit. I do, yeah, I hear you. I see where you're going with this. Yeah. So, I feel most California guides that guide deer and pig are on private ground, turkey, yeah. whatever, private For sure. ground. For sure. Um, I'm just saying if yeah. I'm just saying just if, saying if, if they were yeah if they were on public. You know, 
I don't know if I would go hunt with him for one day. Mm-hmm. I'd book a trip with him, mm-hmm. see the area that he hunts, mm-hmm. you know, or maybe that you looking around. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't necessarily go back to that same area, but there's probably area around that area that's probably pretty good. Yeah. You know. For sure. I have I, I have a lot of respect for people that show me things. For, yeah. For the most part. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So Keep it under your hat kind of deal. Yeah. You know, like the spot that I have up in B-Zone, this old timer showed me, and the only reason why he found it was because he followed a deer three and a half miles that he wounded into this canyon. Oh, really? Now Google Earth, you can anybody can find, find it. any canyon you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know... He did all this hard work. He showed me, yeah. and you know, and I found other spots back before Google Earth was going on. Yeah, you know, and um, and for the spots, you know, usually people will tell you, "Hey, if I show you this, keep it to yourself." I respect that. Yeah, you know, because I would expect the same if I'm going to show somebody. Yeah, you know, for sure, for so. sure, I can relate to that. I was just asking because I feel like what well, here's for me, right? I feel like if I if I was to go with a guide fishing. I feel like the river changes more than public land. Oh yeah, for and hunting. More. I feel like there's just a lot of differences. As far as I as, I mean and, and sure maybe no. I'll get assassinated by fishing guides that are like you're fucking no, my yeah. shit up. But. And that's the thing is the river is the river. Yeah. You know, we're hunting uh, you know the country there's so much more country. Right. Yeah. And well, if you're like drifting down a river, man, you can only stay in a spot for so long. Yeah. So everybody goes through everybody's spot at some point if yeah. they're drifting. And that's what I that so that's what I would do back in the day. Now, mm-hmm. like we're going on a guided trip for my bachelor party for Steelhead up on the Umpqua, mm-hmm. and I'm stoked because I don't ever get to sit in the front of a boat anymore. Yeah. I'm always rowing, and. You know, I because you're the one teaching. Yeah, and when you're the I'm one showing when guys. I'm in the front of a guide's boat, yeah, they're so happy. Yeah, because they don't have to bait a hook, they don't have to tie a leader, they don't have to do anything. I literally will look back and tell them, and I'm not. I don't go with guides. The last guide I went with was like four years ago up on the Elk in Oregon. And yeah. I'll literally turn around to them and I'll say, "Hey, just row the boat." I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, just row the boat. Yeah, I got this. I fucking got this. I'm paying for a rowing Just put service. me in yeah. the fish. Put me in the yeah. area and let me at it. Yeah. And they're like, the one guy's like, this is the best day ever, man. This is the easiest, you know, 500 bucks Loves I made. It. Yeah. yeah. You know. That's awesome. So. So, for people that might go on a guided trip. Yeah. What's a suggested tip? If it's 250 I, I mean, 40 bucks. Yeah. You know, I'm not 20% or any of that shit. 20 or 40 bucks, depending on how they're doing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, that's what... It depends. Like, so... Some people say, oh, well, if that dude just made 500 bucks, I'm not giving him no tip. But, you know, I mean... I know what it's like to row a boat. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, no cheesecake, fucking, dude. No, and I got guys, buddies that come in my boat. Like, I can row a kayak. Let, or can you let me row this thing? And I'm like, yeah, have at it. We're doing circles down the fucking river. You know what yeah. I mean? Crashing into willows and stuff. And, uh... I know how hard of work it is, but like forty bucks, I would think forty bucks a person. Mm-hmm. You know, extra twenty bucks. That it just depends on how good, how, how hard the guy worked. Yeah, doesn't matter how many fish you get, how hard he worked. Yeah, for whatever the hell you got or didn't get. Yeah, you know, for sure. So, that's what I would recommend as far as fishing. Yeah, you know, those are some little tidbits. Like I said, if anybody has any questions, reach out to me. And I'll, hit, I'll give you some, you know, a little, go in a little bit more in depth, knowing that you've listened to this podcast for an hour of me babbling. We haven't even gotten into hunting yet. I know. You ready? Yeah. Let's do Might it. be later than 10 o'clock when you get home. Oh, that's fine. 
<laughs> you only live once, right? Right. <laughs> so, really quick before we switch gears into hunting. Yep. If you're new to fishing and you're in a boat and there's some guys that oh, are fishing yeah, in I remember, the water. Yeah, I remember this. Yeah. Because you see me get all pissed off about it and go on a rant. Yep. Huh? So, if you're in a boat and you're going down the river and there's guys on the bank. Yeah. You don't fucking drag through the hole when the guys are on the bank. Yeah. There's nine miles of river to fish. And you're going down it. And you're going, and so I pull to the side and go right in front of the guys and keep going. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> I've been fishing on the river that I'm thinking of for the last 25 years. Mm-hmm. And. It's quite some time. It is. And there's a lot of new people. A lot of new people in the last five, four or five years that are friends of mine that, you know, they don't have a clue. Yeah. You know, and uh, and they don't know what it was like back then. I've seen people get rocks thrown at them. I've seen a guy pull a fillet knife out, and a guy pulled a fish gaff, and they almost went at it. Really? Because people were just, they don't have any con- any consideration for other people. God, that's so funny. You know, so the guy, the guy's sitting in the hole, and that's my hole I'm fishing for all morning. Mm-hmm. And the guys have nine miles of river to fish. Why the hell do they have a desire to fish? Why are they the dragging through your hole? So, yeah. So, that's why I have a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, um, because, yeah, I, I mean, I can get a little hostile when somebody does it. Yeah. I'll start yelling, you know, and, and late, and it seems like the last, I don't know how many years, but the last probably five, maybe ten years, it's mm-hmm. gone that way with public land hunting. Oh, yeah. It's in some areas, man. There's a lot of lack of ethics because a lot of people are getting into a lot of new outdoors activities that maybe never were their entire lives. Yeah. But they're also 25 or 30 years old, you know, so they go out not kind of having a baseline of information, mm-hmm. but not really knowing, I don't want to say backcountry ethics, but I'm going to call it that, right? Not really knowing or having much backcountry ethics. So they go back there and, and they're... Going into other people's spots or not other people's spots, but you know, it's like what happened with me and Anthony in, in Utah this year when, you know, we spoke to a couple guys that we had saw in a valley that we want that we were going to hunt the next morning and talk to them. And they were like, yeah, we're done. We're not even going to go in there. And the next morning, right as rain, they come blowing in, cut straight up the middle of the valley. They tell us that they're going to, cause the valley's, you could hunt it with four guys and have a couple guys on the right side, a couple guys on the left side. These guys came straight up. They said, all right, well, we're going to hunt the right side. Clearly, you're already on the left side. So they disappear into the middle of the valley and turn their lights off halfway up. And daybreak comes, and sure as shit, there they are, sitting on the left side of the valley, watching exactly what they just told yeah. us they weren't going to watch. You know, so it's... That's the thing. If I walk up to a bowl... Yeah. Or a canyon, yeah. And there's somebody in there. I'm not. I, I don't like hunting around people, mm-hmm. right? And I will turn around and go somewhere else. Yeah, keep moving. If I go to my spot that I'm actually going to park my truck, and there's already a truck there, odds are I turn around and go somewhere else. Yeah. But I've seen guys. We were getting ready. We got down halfway into the canyon, and we watched these guys park, and they were looking at us, and they started walking right down, and we were already ahead of them, and they came in behind us. Yeah. And I'm just, you know, that kind, those kinds of things I have a hard time with because that's not how I was raised and brought up hunting. You yeah. have a respect for your other. And that's the thing is, 
hunting is our as a community we're supposed to all be on the same page because well yeah. let's just face it a lot of our rights are being taken we can't bear hunt with dogs anymore yeah you know there's a lot of things that we can't do and people you know a lot of the, our communities kind of split sometimes oh yeah and so as far as like ethics and respect go i think that people need to think of other people i understand you want to be the first one in the whole in the canyon you want to be the first you one know? in the canyon you get in there the night before yeah you want to i mean you you camp know, out in there yeah you want to be you know and then for the people like if like i said if i come into somewhere and there's already people i back out i don't go tromping in the woods late or whatever you know or yeah like i said i just don't like hunting around people so as far as fishing goes it could be the same way with that mm-hmm. you know so, I I have learned to have a lot of respect for other people, but I don't, I really, get thrown out the window if somebody doesn't have it for me. Yeah. You know. Makes it more difficult. Yeah. For sure. For sure. So, we'll just switch gears. All right. We'll dive straight into hunting. You're a pretty savvy A-zone archer. I try. You, you killed some dandy bucks. I killed some pretty nice bucks. I'm pretty fortunate. You yeah. killed some pretty nice pigs, too. A lot of pigs. <laughs> you kill a lot. You kill. You know, that's the thing. is like, if you were to ask me, like, 15, 10 years ago, like, what do you enjoy most about hunting? I'd tell you killing. Mm-hmm. And it's not about that anymore. Yeah. You know. Well, I feel like when we're younger. Yeah. It's more about killing. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, don't get me wrong. I still love to kill, but. As I've gotten older, and it's probably speaking to exactly what you're talking about, I've become to have a better understanding of what it means to be outdoors and mm-hmm. have a better love and appreciation for the depth of, for me, spiritual connection, which we were kind of talking about at dinner. Yeah. You know, that I get from being in the outdoors, you know, and then I'm sure it's probably the same for you as you as you've grown older you've come to a better understanding and appreciation of nature in the entirety from the living to the dying oh yeah right yeah and that's why i like rifle or uh, archery hunting a lot more than rifle hunting mm-hmm. um anybody can rifle hunt yeah anybody yeah um archery hunter and archery hunter is a whole different breed mm-hmm. i feel you know, and like I said, 10, 15 years ago, for me, it was about killing. Yeah. I'd kill anything and everything that I could. <laughs> I mean, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I kill. I laugh because I can relate. Yeah. Man. That's why I'm laughing. You know, I mean, come into a group of 15, 20 pigs and my clips emptied and reloaded and emptied again. Yeah. It's not like that anymore. Yeah. You know, um, I see a buck, I don't just shoot it. Yeah. You know, it's like this year... And, People are going to be like, wow, this guy don't know what the hell he's talking about. I didn't kill a deer this year, right? Uh-huh. But I passed up, I think, six bucks. I threw an arrow at a freaking giant opening day. Yeah. And it was heartbreaking. Yeah. Because I got greedy. Because I didn't shoot the 20-inch 20, 20 three-pointer. I wanted to kill, like, the 24-inch four-pointer. Yeah. And I could have shot the 20-inch three-pointer yeah. at, like, 41 yards. And I uh-huh. got greedy. And, uh, you know, so... Yeah, it's just, for me, it's about being out there, learning new things, and, you know, watching deer. Uh, I mean, there's always, for me, when I go in the woods, I come out with something new that I learned. Yeah. You know, and if I don't, I didn't spend enough time hunting that day. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, and primarily right now, I think we're talking mostly about A-zone hunting. Yeah. 
So what have you what have you found in A zone hunting? You know what I mean? It's like, hot. It's hot, dude. It's brutal for sure. Um, you know, so let's kick it back like fifteen years, ten, ten years ago, mm-hmm. twelve years ago. I used to wear Ben Davis's Wrangler in the, jeans in the in the field. Yeah. Wrangler Fuck. jeans. In archery season? Oh, yeah. You trying to fucking sweat to death? Yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> and so, uh, and, and, and I've hunted, like we were talking earlier. Tell me like, it was black or blue Ben Davis. It was a blue. Oh, my blue and God. White. Yeah. That sounds like a fucking nightmare. Yeah, dude. I got pictures of it. And, You're uh, crazy. And so that was like my get down, you know, and like we didn't have frame packs and QU, you know, lightweight 15 years ago, and, we hardly had shit. I know, but even like five years ago, I didn't have any of that uh-huh. shit, right? So, you know, that was my get down. And, you know, when I hunted up in the geysers, you're waking up, you know, in the geysers region, you're waking up in some mornings at 78 degrees at 6, 530 in the morning. Yeah. By the time you actually hit the hill, it's almost in the 80s. Yeah. You know, it's in the 80s. You know, and by 10 o'clock, it's almost 100. Yeah. So... You know, it's a lot. A lot has changed for me in the last probably ten years of hunting. Mm-hmm. You know, between getting, you know, and it wasn't that I couldn't get the gear. It was just like that's not what I did. Yeah. Like you know, we didn't have a frame. We never cut anything up. Like we hauled it out over our backs. Like, and I can't stand. I'm familiar a, with that. You know, throwing a full gutted deer over your back and packing it out of the canyon, you know, or getting a chainsaw inch and just yeah. zip lining them up. I mean, that's what we did. Yeah. So, you know, and then as time went on, like this last year, I took the initiative and bought some QU. Yeah. And I have Sitka and stuff for waterfowl hunting, but I bought some QU. And I will say, my favorite freaking thing are by far the Tiburon pants. Tiburon pants are wonderful. Like, for a zone hunter, yeah. If you don't have them, you're crazy. I mean, and I started wearing shorts. Yeah. The boots. Yeah. You know, the last few years because yeah. it's hot. Did you try those Tiburon shorts yet? No. Oh. No, but uh, dynamite. But you know, and and so, the the styles that the ways that I hunted, you know, ten years ago have changed too. Mm-hmm. You know, we used to run dogs for pigs. Mm-hmm. I don't run dogs anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, we used to do a lot of drives up on ranches and stuff we don't down do that anymore it's all spawn stock yeah you know and i used to spawn stock too but i mean i pretty much have hunted every legal way yeah. you can think of in california yeah you know and my favorite is the spawn stock blacktail really by far that's got to be difficult man because that's like in some of the country that i hunt like out in boonville mm-hmm. it is yeah. And I talk about these places, I don't give a crap because there's no public land out there. So if you want to go out there, you better have some money or know somebody. Yeah. You know, like. Yeah, for sure. I mean, but that's like 90% of A zone. Yeah. And there ain't much. All, no, man. Like, unless if somebody wants to go to, like, you know, Cash Creek. Or be a member of a club. Yeah. Knoxville. You know. Cash Creek. Yeah. The Indians. We, uh, we, my buddy and I were talking about getting a lease on a ranch out past the lake. Yeah. Guy had a thousand acres. He wanted twenty grand a year. How much? Twenty twenty grand. So to hunt a thousand acres for deer. Yeah. So a thousand that. every what is fifty acres, right? I'd have told him to fucking get so, shit, dude. So he he's got clubs and stuff all over the place. I mean, he's probably owns like ten or twelve different pieces of property, and they all have groups of guys that hunt them. And he's got, you know, twelve to fifteen guys hunting a thousand acres. To me, that's a little out. out that's a lot of people. Yeah. You know, 
And if you have 12 guys hunting a 1,000 acres, like a family-style yeah. ranch, you can get away with that. But if there's 12 guys that don't hunt together, there's a lot of uh, crisscrossing and, you know, a, a lot of probably arguments and stuff of who's hunting where and everything. And yeah. it just didn't appeal to me. So anyways, yeah, money talks out in that country for sure. Yeah. That's crazy, dude. 20 yeah. grand, dude. Yeah. But I've been fortunate. Like, you know, I've, oh I've hunted some of the nicest places. Yeah. In Sonoma and Mendocino County. Yeah. And I've had, like, I've been privileged to hunt as an 18 to 20 year old free reign on 7,000 acres of prime country to hunt pigs <laughs> whenever I want with whoever I want. Yeah. You know, um, and we used to go out there all the time, me and my buddies. And that's probably one of my favorite places that I got to grow, actually go hunt was that place. Yeah. You know, um, and we killed a lot of pigs off that place. Yeah. That's crazy, dude. So, been very privileged. Been yeah. able to hunt a lot of different places and yeah. see a lot of different country. And by far, I think that, you know, talk about, like, the high country, like, up in B-Zone, right? There's high country in B-Zone. Mm-hmm. I would say that's a different kind of... Blacktail hunting? Uh, yeah, but it's, like, when people say, what's the hardest hunt you've been on? Well, that's hard. But being, like, up in the freaking Shamish brush... In those canyons, like, down by, like, Sulphur Creek, Little Sulphur Creek and stuff up in the geysers, when it's 110, packing a deer out, that's hard, too. Yeah. You know, um, so, yeah, so I like A-Zone, it's just, I don't like the heat. And you ain't I've, hunting I've, after 9 a.m. Well, the I mean, last couple years, I kind of changed things. Uh-huh. Yeah. I've gotten into a little different tactics and everything, and... Uh, Are you doing more ambush? No, the ranch that I hunt, this guy's a huge archery hunter. He doesn't even hunt his own ranch. I mean, he does, he farts around and stuff, and his family hunts it every once in a while, but I'm the only guy that's allowed to hunt there. Really? Right? And I don't tell, he asked me, the one thing I ask is, don't tell anybody where you're hunting. Yeah. I said, okay. And we've grown a great friendship. He's one of my really close friends. And he's in his, like, 50s. Yeah. So, um, he's big, he's a huge whitetail hunter. I oh, said, really? why don't you try sitting? I'm like, man, I can't sit for more than a half an hour. Cause I always well, you're doing move. that a little bit this year. I oh, dude, the longest sit we did this year was 13 hours. <laughs> oh my god, that sounds like a fucking nightmare. Daylight to sunset, man. Yeah. and it was it was 104 during the peak but, of the day. Dude. Didn't you fall asleep during oh, that, or dude. your buddy fell asleep? Yeah, I fell you? asleep, man. You it fell asleep. I knew someone brutal. It was brutal, but I would say, you know. uh I started hunting over water and everything, utilizing trail cameras and stuff. And the thing are you is, finding the blacktails use water every day, or I mean, because mule deer can kind of back off water. You know, you know? I would say it depends. Uh-huh. There's a spring up in Bison that I have. It's a honey hole. Yeah. There was probably anywhere from fifteen to twenty bucks going to it a day. Really? And and this is and this is crazy. So they were hitting it every day. From daylight to about 10 or 11, from about 6 to dark. Mm-hmm. So, and there was bucks coming two, three times a day. Yeah. Well, I found out they were going also licking the minerals, the rocks. Mm-hmm. They were licking the rocks in the pictures and drinking the water. Uh-huh. So, that place they were hitting it every day, multiple times a day. Now, this other place that I hunt, the, I hunt 4,000 acres out here, local, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the owner thinks they hit water every day, but he thinks they don't go to the same place every few days. They change it. They mm-hmm. continue to change it. 
I could see that because Blackdale are elusive, especially with the amount of lions that are on the place, mm-hmm. the amount of predators. There's you know? so many lions up there. It's ridiculous, dude. It's no Mendo line. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. I mean, my pig property alone last year had three lions on it. Three. Yeah. It's, That's insane. It's, uh, you know, and finally when I think that I got it, mm-hmm. I'll get there, and I'm like, all right, I'm here. You know, I'm waiting, and I'm sitting in my spot, <clears throat> and I'm like, this is going to happen. Nothing happens. So I walk over to check the trail camera, and that morning or that night before, a fucking lion walked through. Yeah. It seemed like that happened quite a bit this last year. Really? Yeah. And then one of the deer that I was chasing the previous year, you know, I found him and I, I was going to get on him and everything and I backed off and then I went another day and I was sitting there waiting for him and, and I hear all these buzzards and stuff and I'm like, what the hell is going on down there? So uh-huh. I walked down there, there's that buck dead. Lion killed it. Uh-huh. So, you know, it's just trials and tribulations and... You know, I have my thoughts and beliefs, and we have the worst, I believe, predator control in some of the western states, Yeah. if not the worst, and uh, it is what it is, you know. But out in that country, like, talking like Lake Sonoma and stuff, not only do they have lions, they have us hunting, yeah. and they also had a die-off of blue tongue back in the 80s that they never recovered from. Yeah. The population was almost decimated out there. Yeah. You know, I mean... And I, I can see that. I understand that. Because I've talked to people that hunted out there back in the 70s and the early knew 80s it. that were like, dude, we'd, we'd kill 20, 30 bucks a year off these places. Yeah. And now they might only kill two or three. And it's really? not because they took too many deer off of it. They had a die-off and it never came back. Yeah. You know? That's so crazy. So, yeah. It's, it's hard to think about that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? You know, like you have like the huge, the cold freeze in Idaho that killed all those deer. Yeah. You know? And it's they're struggling. Yeah, well, I mean, how many bucks did we lose, what, two years ago in that landslide up in X9 or wherever it was out there? Yeah, so you have those things, you know, disease, and that's during drought years. You know, drought promotes animals to go to similar water sources, if not the same. Spread disease. Numerous animals going to the same one, it's perfect. It's like a gangbang on a water hole. Exactly. One person had AIDS, now everybody's got it. Yeah. And for some reason, the deer are the ones that got it. Yeah. Fucking almost decimated. Why the can't the mountain lions be the ones that? Get I it? I don't know. You know, so I heard there are some out there in those hills that feed them lead poisoning. So, right <laughs> in the fucking head. Yeah, I don't know any of them, but I hear about it. Yeah, <laughs> man, that's so crazy, dude. I don't know if I should have said that on the podcast, but I really don't care. No, that's fine. Uh, I mean, I know our state kills yeah. more mountain lions a year than anybody. Yeah, it killed forty. Was it like forty-seven or forty-nine on the coast? You know, I've been having a mix-up. I've been, I've been saying because I've been talking about mountain lions, yeah, a little bit recently, and I kept saying it was 1992 when we introduced the ban for mountain lion hunting, and I was corrected as actually 1990. Yeah, when we introduced the ban for mountain lion hunting. Well, if you look at it, so like you have like the whole bear thing, right? Mm-hmm. The houndsmen were the number one. Bear population goal for bears. Yeah. Right? Like, I remember when we ran hounds, every year the quota would be met and the season would close early. Yeah. It hasn't closed early, I don't think, since they outlawed hound. We hunting. haven't hit, so we, have, we haven't hit the quota since they outlawed bears, uh, or since they outlawed hounds in, yeah. was it 13? Yeah, I think so. So it was 13, they outlawed hounds. We have not been able to use them. We've been missing the quota almost every year by 500 or more bears. Oh, yeah. 
right? So you add that up, how many bears are having cubs? What, There's a what's, lot of bears. You know, so... I see more and more every year, and they <clears> do kill deer. People that say they don't, you know, I, I recommend everybody that I know, even if you don't like eating them, yeah, fucking shoot one, tag it, get it cut up, and give it to somebody that yeah. does. Or donate it. Yeah. Donate the meat to a, to a homeless shelter yeah. or something. You know, did you see that video, uh, Lights Out Outdoors, Joey posted, Joey Skaggs posted? Mm-hmm. He's cutting up his bear that he killed this year, pulling out fawn hide. Yeah. Just fresh fawn hide. Like, I mean, I get it. It, it happens every year. Someone's pulling out fawn hide, I'm sure. But, you know, it's it just makes it so much more real when you can see it. Yeah. A perfect example of it. The guy that... We kind of brought into our camp this year up in the uh-huh. zone. He got charged by a bear. Uh-huh. And he tried to pull his bow back, and he couldn't get his bow back pulled in time. The bear stopped and just started stomping at him. Yeah. Puffing and puffing. False and he charge. he was about shit in his pants, and he just, you know, froze. Yeah. And the bear ran off through the ferns, and the bear came back, like, 20 seconds later, doing the same thing. Really? Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's like I tell everybody, if you have an opportunity to harvest one, do You're it. doing the deer population a favor, yeah. big time. We're definitely not doing any favors by allowing an extra five hundred a year. No, you no. know what I mean. Yeah, there's a reason why biologists and scientists got together and came up with the tag quotas. Yeah, you know, and I mean I know that we're barking. You know, we're singing to the choir because probably ninety percent of our audience is the hunting, right. and not the non-hunter yeah. or the anti. You know, but it's it's a frustrating issue, man, across the board for it everybody. Is. I have a lot of beliefs around all these things, you know, and they're probably all the same with a lot of people. And, yeah. Uh, the fact is we just, it is what it is. So I try to adapt yeah. and overcome. So back to the hunting, the deer hunting. Yeah. When, okay. you're, when you're looking for places to hunt, you're talking about you're setting up trail cameras. Mm-hmm. You're looking for water sources, finding, you know, natural mineral licks, stuff like that. Is there anything else that you're looking for? So, it depends. Like, where I hunt down here, I'm looking for water in Azon. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is if you can stand sitting for one day mm-hmm. in 110 degree weather, 112 degree weather, mm-hmm. you're going to see animals. Yeah. If you can stand it, most people can't stand it. Can't stand it. I'm yeah. I'm talking you're sweating, it's yeah. hot, you yeah. got a headache, it's like what the hell? Yeah. And uh you know, so water, feed obviously. Um where they bed and try to just figure out, you know, where they're coming and going and I mean, you know, to give you an example why I like archery hunting so much. I archery hunted last year, I think 15 days and it wasn't in a row, it was kind of broken up. And I was having a hard time killing a deer. Mm-hmm. And the landowner was like, hey, dude, like, if you want to take a rifle, that's fine. I was like, you know, I'll probably wait till the end of the season. Maybe if we get a rain or something, I'll take a rifle. Because that'll really give me an opportunity to smoke a giant. Yeah. I love hunting in the rain. So right? do you think, uh, no, keep going. We'll get back to it. So that. I take my rifle. I get aggravated. And I'm like, this, this is ridiculous. So I... F- have a random day and the wind's blowing it's probably like 75 man maybe like 80 degrees i'm like i'm gonna take a hike mm-hmm. so i told text him i was like hey, i didn't take my rifle today yeah i'm take a hike yeah so i killed a buck an hour into my hunt with a rifle on the first day mm-hmm. hunting with a rifle out of 15 days of hunting with an with a bow yeah so that shows how much easier it is in my opinion 
to hunt with hunt. to rifle yeah so i choose the archery hunt now yeah it's more of a difficulty it's more yeah. of a challenge exactly it's funny how as hunters we try to go the more for i don't want to say for the not more savvy hunters but for the more dedicated hunters a lot of us tend to prefer archery you know i've hunted and i've killed a lot of animals mm-hmm. and it comes down to me it's just really like you know I really test myself when I have to get within 40, 50 yards of an animal. Yeah. You know, and to do that with a black-tailed deer in some of the country around here yeah. is very challenging. Yeah. So the reward is a lot more rewarding. Yeah. You know, so, but yeah, you know, I mean, mostly it's just trying to figure out where they're coming, where they're going, where they're bedding, you know, obviously the little simple things, mm-hmm. um, but you know, a lot can change. A fire changes things. Smoke changes things. A lion can change things. Um, you know, uh, if your spring dries, that changes a lot of things. That changes everything. So, it's not like I do something and have it perfected and season comes in. No, like, man, it's juggling a million no. things. <clears throat> it's constantly changing. Mm-hmm. Like, we had the spring up in B-Zone and a fire happened. I'm not going to say where, but a fire happened. And, uh, they were blowing roads around and opening up roads, closing, you know, just all kinds of stuff. And that changed the whole pattern of all those bucks. So we went in there the day before, and some guy came in and drove by the camp. And my buddy said, yeah, some guy drove. He kept driving. He parked up there. He's camped up there. And I'm like, and here I am getting all pissed off because, like, there's only one big canyon to hunt. Mm-hmm. And we're there, and he, like, went up there and parked he was really nice. He's like, well, where do you guys want to hunt? And I'm like, we're going to hunt down over here. He's like, okay, well, do you mind if I go over here? I'm like, you can go over there all you want. I don't care. And he was really respectful, but that evening, he came walking out of the canyon we're going into mm-hmm. with his bow. So I don't know if he was down there hunting or what he was doing. Yeah. Which, it, was, it wasn't even season yet. Mm-hmm. He went down there, and he fucked everything up. Yeah. Because we didn't see one legal buck, and there was, like I said, 15 to 20 bucks coming that spring daily. Yeah. And so just by him going in there, the whole pattern of the whole canyon changed. Yeah. And so, then also the fire and all that other shit. When you're going out there, are you using scent masks? Or are you covering yourself in deer I pee? Mean, or? I had, uh, no, just, I mean, I spray myself, you know, and I wash my stuff with you scent spray yourself. Oh, okay. I don't know going. if it works. The way I look at it is it can't hurt. Mm-hmm. You, never, you never use deer piss? No. Why not? I don't know. I just haven't used it. Uh-huh. Do you use it? I don't know. <laughs> No, I mean. I mean, I'll tell you this: you kill a lot of deer. Yeah. Right. Next time you kill a deer, man, you should just the bladder and soak it or something. Just take that bladder, drain it into a Gatorade. All right. Save it for your next season. Sounds good. I'm gonna do that because that might be good for stationary hunting, sitting. You know, because the thing is, is you know, we went in there and like I said, you learn something new about every like every day you hunt. Every I mean, I've never perfected a place. Yes. I'm always learning something, so. Well, and like what we were saying with fish, too, man. The, the wildlife always changes. Yeah, it's always area. changing. So, like, this one spot, we sat there all day opener for 13 hours. Mm-hmm. Saw 25 deer, not one legal buck. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking, there's some smokers. There's a buck on there. I have a picture of it, and I've posted it a couple times. He's everything of 24. Mm-hmm. Huge three-pointer. I mean, a freaking stud. My buddy actually shot at him opening day and mm-hmm. missed him. Oh. And he's like, he's as every big as you, the picture shows, the picture doesn't do justice. Yeah. And so 
that's what I wanted. I had high expectations for this year, so I passed on a lot of bucks. I passed on a couple, you know, good-sized forks, a couple three-pointers that were probably, like, you know, 15, 16 inches. Mm-hmm. Most people don't pass on that stuff. I have a hard-on for a stud fork. You know, and, yeah, those big, the big forks with the big, I mean, that's... Deep. I'd rather kill something like that than a regular four-pointer, honestly. I just love yeah. big forks, but I didn't see a big fork this year. Yeah. So... I had high expectations. I wasn't just going to kill anything this year. And, um, well, all the deer that were going to that one spring, I went over and found another spring probably half a mile up on the other side of the ridge. Mm-hmm. And that's where they were going. Really? Just with one day. Yeah. They were hitting it. And I swear to God, every time I set up in that spot, the deer would come down one trail. And I'm like, okay, the next time I'm going to set up over there. And I go over there. And the and freaking deer come up this trail. <laughs> and they go hit the same spring just from a different angle. And where the spring was, I couldn't set up close enough to it. Yeah. You know, and had to, to be have on the shot. water. I had to have a trail. Yeah. You know, um, so this year, you know, by just learning that from one season, I'm going to make shift some things and have some options and probably kill a big buck because I saw two bucks there that would have, you know, Pope and Young's went 90 inches, I think. These were. I think so. These somewhere. were Boone and Crockett deer. Yeah, what's Boone and Crockett? I don't know, but they're Boone and Crockett. One of them, I'm not <laughs> For joking. sure. I'm not joking. One of them. No, I'm not doubting no, I, I, Hey, I seen one buck, and like, so I'm sitting there, and I hear this, and I'm like, oh, what the hell? And I didn't even hear him Doesn't coming. Doesn't that piss you off didn't when you hear, hear it? coming. And I'm like, and I hear the deer run off. I'm like, oh, it's probably a doe. So I'm sitting there, and this is like 11.30. It's now 95 degrees. I'm hot. I'm in the sun now, sitting in the sun, because where I was at was in the sun. Yeah. So I get my crap, and I go walking over, and I look up, and a deer bounce. I mean, a a buck just kind of bounces out behind an oak tree. He's probably 85 yards. Mm -hmm. And he sits there, and he's looking around, and I'm like, holy shit. And Mm -hmm. this is a buck I don't even have on my trail camera. Yeah. This is bigger than the one that I had on my trail camera. He probably had his back tines were probably 14, 15 inches. I mean, no way. A stud, dude. I'm talking one of the Four biggest by? bucks that I've seen. No, a three-pointer. Two-pointer? With symmetrical eye guards, just a huge... I mean, he was... Candlestick sticking out, dude. And I'm watching him, and I'm like, with a rifle. He And he's already hard horn. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this deer. And I'm looking at him, and then I finally get into position. I'm looking at him in binoculars, and he walks out and just starts walking. You know, and he's panting. He didn't even get to the spring. So he's fucking thirsty. He's sitting there with his tongue hanging out. Yeah. And now who knows where he's going to go now. But I don't know how long he sat until he wanted to get water, but he was wanting water. Yeah. He was panting. Yeah. And so he walked up. He didn't have a clue where I was at. And that buck, it just, you know. And you had a rifle? No. Oh, it's archery season. Yeah. No, a rifle. I would have smoked him. Yeah. No, 85 yards. I just watched him because I don't like to shoot anywhere past, you know, 50. Yeah. I mean, that's just my comfort zone. Yeah. I know guys that are throwing arrows at 110 a deer and they're hitting them and I just don't have that comfort I'd ability. never, ever, it's ever do that. You know, I had a guy DM me, say, why don't you get, you know, a slider, a slider pin you can shoot out to 100 yards with them. My buddies do it all the time. I'm like, I'm not doing that. No. Deer takes one step, you got shot it. And I mean, I, I have back. a sight that gets me out real far. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, it would have to be the most perfect situation for me to shoot past 70 yards. Like a bedded deer that's asleep or something. It, it would have to be the most perfect. No 70? Yeah. 70 is even difficult for me. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, and that's, 
on a on you know. Yeah. So my point getting where I'm at is that deer came from God knows where because I didn't even have him on my camera, yeah. and he went to God knows where. Because mm-hmm. he never came back again. <laughs> well, no, I didn't see him, but I saw a buck that was a little bit smaller than him with another buck. And yeah, I like I said, I don't know what's up with the canyon, why the deer was a shitload of deer. And we were hunting prior years seven thousand feet. This mm-hmm. was at like thirty five hundred feet. Yeah, during July, during August. Yeah. You know, when people say, oh, the deer are all up high during then, no, that's not true. Mm-mm. You know. You just got to find where they are. Yep. So that's, we found them and, and uh, I didn't kill one. Like I said, I passed on a few and uh, the one that I missed opening weekend at Archery Azon was a, a smoker. Mm-hmm. But it just didn't work out. So really quick before we change gears, break down your archery equipment. Dude, so I have an Alpha Max. Hoyt Alpha Max uh-huh. from back in like the mid two thousands maybe. So why haven't you upgraded your bow yet? Because you? I went to the bow shop and the person told me that's one of the best bows that Hoyt has actually made. They don't make them anymore. Really? And you don't need to upgrade. Yeah. I'm like, are you serious? Because I want a, no, a lighter bow, you know, with a better let off. And they're like, you're not going to get much better than any of that. Yeah. So I still what have. What bow that. shop was that? I think that was over here, West Coast. Oh really? Yeah. It was either. I think it was over here. Yeah. But. I, I, I mean, you know, because I shot Matthews, I've shot all the AR, Bowtech, all of them, you yeah, know, yeah. and I shot that one, and, you know, when I paid for it, I think I paid just over a thousand for it. You ain't I, paying that for a Hoyt these days? No, and I paid, so I got that, and I got a seven pin um, side on it, and... Spot hub <coughs> seven pin? No, I have a trophy, it's just a fucking $150 or whatever, yeah. you know, and, uh, like, it's not a... Crazy setup. I have a doinker. It's an offset stabilizer, so it comes out and it's actually and it it's kind of funky, but when I pull it back, I'm it's you know dead nuts, dead nuts, stable, centered, yeah. everything. Yeah. Before that, I was just shooting a regular little doinker stabilizer, which was crap. So my buddy gave me the other one, and uh, I took him on a hunt, and he gave me it and said you can just have it. So I have that, and I shoot Muzzy three blades, mm-hmm. hundred grain, fixed. I want. I will shoot expandables during turkey season now, mm-hmm. but any big game I'm shooting fixed blade. Really? Yeah. Oh. Excuse me. What made you come to that conclusion? Where you just didn't want to shoot Max anymore? So, when I went on that hunt with Bob Larson out on the hillside ranch, he told me fixed blade only, and I'm like, well, you know, and I'm looking, you know, at all these different broadheads and stuff. And so I went down and bought some G5s, some Montex. Those are the best broadheads I've ever used. Mm-hmm. Only reason why I don't buy have them right now is because a guy gave me like fifteen muzzy three blades for six rages. So you might as well. So that's what I shoot right now. Yeah. Um, fixed blade. I just know they don't have to open. You know, you don't need, in my opinion, a four or five inch or whatever diameter cut. No, man. If you hit the animal right, you could kill it with a field tip. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, and I haven't had any problem with muzzies. Now, for a turkey, I shot three turkeys last year with my muzzies, mm-hmm. and I didn't get one of them. Really? Right through them. Really? Right through them. I chest punched one. I shot one right in the, right where the vitals were supposed to be. Yeah. And I shot one through the back, and they just kept running. And I'm sitting there going, you know, like, I remember the last one I shot... I pulled back and I'm like I don't want to shoot the beard off yeah. I'm like the hell with it I'm chest punching him yeah 
right in the chest. The turkey ran off. And I'm thinking, oh, I got him. He ran off. And so I don't, I didn't, you know, I used to turkey hunt a lot. And so I stopped turkey hunting the last probably like six years. I started getting into it again this last year. Yeah. But, um, I never had a problem with fixed blade broadheads for shooting turkeys until this year. And then my buddies, like, you know, I started doing some research and stuff. They're like, hey, you need to either shoot the turkey broadheads or an expandable. Mm-hmm. So this year, for this turkey season, I'm going to be shooting some expandables. Nice. Do you know which guy? No, my buddy shoots a hybrid. It has fixed bl- two fixed blades, and mm-hmm. then it has an expandable, so it's a hybrid. Yeah. So at least you're for sure getting the... No matter what, you're getting the you're cut. You're getting the cut, Yeah. no matter what. So it's just something, like, like I said earlier in the podcast... I don't know if I said it, but I have a hard time fixing something that's been working for so long. Yeah. You know? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. So, yeah, and I mean, you know, so I got that, and then um, Easton Bloodline Arrows. Uh Uh-huh. I think they're the the 340s, 320s. Yeah. And then, yeah. What kind of release are you using? So I used to use some piece of crap Surefire, <laughs> and now, <laughs> dude, True Fire, whatever the hell it is, dude, it's like, I got a new release, and I don't know what exact exact one it is, but it is ten times better, not mm-hmm. like five times ac- more accurate. Oh, nice. So the old release that I had didn't have a, it didn't have it didn't have any spring mechanism, so it was all pull. Mm-hmm. There was no like, you know, you barely touch it. It's, and it goes. And it goes? Yeah. It was all pull. So can you imagine how much I'm pulling the arrow off of the target by the yeah. time I get that thing opened up? Yeah. So, and those are things that I learned after, you know. Years in the trial. Yeah. Years in the field. Yeah, you know, new technology comes out and stuff and new things and, you know, I just evolved into it. It's crazy how that works, huh? Yeah. And it's so it's so funny, so... I recently got the uh, Kuyu Venture Pack, which is a frameless <clears throat> pack that they make. It's totally awesome. It works great for me for what I what I got it for, right? But I'm so used to a framed pack that I forgot what it's like to actually have a backpack that sits against your back, mm-hmm. right? Because frame packs allow so much air, right? Around everywhere back there to cool down and stay cool and when i and i when i wear that pack it warms up Hmm. and i forgot that backpacks warm up yeah like all packs right and it's just been so long since i had a pack actually sitting against me and i'm not hunting with it i got it strictly for like traveling and you know just general bullshit so i wasn't let me put a frame on my travel backpack right (laughs) you know what i mean like I wasn't trying to do that. I was just trying to get a backpack for fun for myself. And uh, it's just funny how, like, things change, right? Oh, yeah. And and technology advances. And then, like, we forget... The basics. The basics. Well, we'll, like, for example, with that pack, like, I always used to have an issue with being too hot wearing a pack. Mm -hmm. My whole life hunting, right? So I always... Wear a fanny pack, sometimes wear a pack. That's pack. all I used to wear. I right. never wore a backpack. Right. And uh, technology changes, eliminates that problem, and then forget that that's even a problem. Yeah. 
And then when I go back to it and I was walking around and I was like, oh my God, I totally remember this feeling. Like, this is crazy. Right. You know? I don't know. I'm just fucking rambling. But No, yeah. I agree. You know, and that's like, so when I when I first started hunting, even until like, like I said, probably five or six years ago, seven years ago, it was basic. I had a fanny pack, Ben Davis, blue jeans, ben Davis. Dannard boots, you know. Yeah. God a 270 that I beat the hell, or a 243 or a 3030 when I hunt with dogs. Like, there's, you know, it was basic. Yeah. Two water bottles in my fanny pack with a knife, and yeah. that was it. Do you still run? Do you still run water bottles, or do you use a bladder? No, I got a bladder now. I mean, it it depends. If I'm just going on like a little, like you know, if I'm actually going on a hunt, it's a bladder. Yeah. You know, and I got a, I actually have a frame pack now. You know, um, it's a horn hunter. Yeah. I like it. It's not. I don't think. It's where I'm going to be in two years, but it's worked. It's been working, you know, so. Mm-hmm. So there's things that I have got, you know, that, that uh, you know, that that have transformed me into the hunter that I am today rather than the hunter that I was, you know, 10 years ago. Because if, you know, you went hunting with me and were hunting like me, if you weren't used to that, you were dying. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? No, totally. Get it. Yeah. You know, we, was, used to, we used to take guys that didn't pig hunt with dogs, and they would go with us, and we would end up in some of the roughest, nastiest... Like, the dogs never ended up on a road. Mm-hmm. It always ended up in the bottom. Of the a worst, ravine that's fucked up yeah. and gnarly and straight up and down. The worst place was on this everywhere. Ranch, and it was called Tombs Creek, and you can... Tombs Creek, like, it's literally the fucking hellhole of a hellhole. Mm-hmm. And we killed three pigs down in there, and my buddy had... A pack that was wood. It was made out of wood his dad made back in like the 50s. It was a fucking wooden frame pack. And he the still fuck? has it. I got a picture of him with like a 180 pound boar on the back of it. And oh he's this like, he's like 5'6, 180 pounds, just stocky motherfucker. Yeah. And he would like, he used to throw him on that thing and just and start trucking up the canyon. And I'm yeah. like, you know, the pack probably weighs 25 pounds. Oh my God, that's insane, <laughs> dude. Yeah. So, That's so crazy. Yeah, he still got that. I saw him in the gym the other day, and he told me that he still has that pack. Mm-hmm. So. So we've already talked about it a little bit. Yeah. You've done fairly well killing pigs. We're talking about it a little bit right now. Yep. So what time's your favorite time of year to hunt pigs? Well, my favorite time of year to hunt pigs for eating is probably now. In winter? I mean, probably, honestly... <clears throat> well, yeah, you have the acorns in October, and then you get the shrooms start popping in late November, early December, you know, and then the grass starts kind of greening, and they're rooting and everything, and probably right now is a really good time to kill one, yeah. to eat one. Yeah. Now, the easiest time to kill one is in the summertime, mm-hmm. because pigs go to water more than deer do. I mean, they roll in it, they fucking fuck it up for deer hunting. I mean, I've had deer going to a spring in a group of pigs come in and they find it and that's the end of the deer going there because they don't want to drink out of that shit yeah but pigs are also travel a lot further in the summertime for water and food so it's easier to find them out walking around you know mm-hmm. so i think honestly the summertime is the easiest time that's not my favorite time mm-hmm. most of the time i won't kill them in the summertime i pass up a lot of pigs in the summertime uh-huh but this last year i killed a pig i knew it was going into a, a neighboring vineyard and eating a gravester like right before harvest yeah so August or whatever. Yeah. And I shot this boar. It was probably like 180 pounds, yeah. 170 pound boar. It wasn't really big. Didn't stink, and it was great meat. Really? Yeah. That's ate, great. Yeah. So eating grapes. Yeah. <laughs> so that pig ate really good. But I've killed some pigs in the summertime, man, that I gave away because they were just, you know. I Not mean, eating them. No, when you're killing, 
you know, 50, 60 pigs a year, it's like, you can't eat all that meat. Yeah. So a lot of people are my friends, and I like to give a lot of meat away, you know? And, yeah. But I think the best time is probably March. Yeah. February, March, early April. Right now? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I totally agree with that, man. Yeah. They taste the best now, like you were saying. Acorns, and then you just go right into the muddy, wet winter. and Mushrooms, all that good yeah. stuff. Mushroom yeah. season's just wonderful. A lot, a lot of feed right now. Yeah. So what are you looking for when you're pig hunting? Uh, are you uh, looking for places where mushrooms are growing? or? It depends. So like in October, you know, after deer season, I'm in the oaks, you know, looking in acorns and stuff. I mean, not necessarily out in the opens. Um, you know, and come, you know, as the year progresses into the winter, you know, the mushrooms are going and the acorns and stuff. So they're not, they're rooting, but they're not really rooting. After the first couple of rains, you know, then it's, it's one of those things where, like, you have to just go. Yeah. In the wintertime, you can't really like expect to see them somewhere because there's so much feed, there's so much water, they're not predictable. And pigs At move all. a lot, yeah. I mean, nomads, they dude. move a lot, they'll move miles and miles. One, one week they're here, and you know, two weeks later, they're 10 miles away. It's mm-hmm. just they just constantly are moving around. Um, like I had a trail camera, trail camera on one ranch, and I got a picture of a pig and I had a trail cam, some trail cameras on another ranch that was like probably seven or eight miles away. Mm-hmm. Less than a week, that pig was over there. No way. Yeah. That's so crazy. They just, they're constantly moving, unless if they really find somewhere that they really like. You know? Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's just the basic thing. You know what I found out is it's not like deer hunting where deer hunting, you have an idea where they're at, what they're doing and stuff with pig hunting. It's just like, you just got to get out there and you just got to go. Yeah. Put some time on the boots and just go. Yeah. You know, maybe sit a little bit. It's all just depends on the time of year and stuff. Yeah. You know. Have you ever hunted Lake Sonoma or not yeah. really? Yeah. yeah. Do you want to talk about hunting Lake Sonoma? I don't care. I'm, I know a couple guys that do, and I'm going to blast it right out. I don't <laughs> give a shit. <laughs> right on. No, you know, it, the Lake Sonoma hunt used to be really good. Yeah. It used to be really good. Uh, we, we hunted the hell out of it, and it was a low-key thing, you know. Mostly locals knew about it and stuff. Very few people knew about it. Thanks, forums. And then this Lake Sonoma pig hunting page on Facebook, group or whatever the hell it was, came about, and everybody knew about it. And I met the guy at Adele's in Hillsburg, and I'm like, I was talking to him, and I was like, yeah. Because they were like, oh, you hunt out there? I was like, yeah, I used to. This was probably like eight years ago. <clears throat> I was like, yeah, I used to until some jackass made this page and blew it up. And the guy, and his, the guy's buddy was like, that was him. Pointed at him. I'm like, that was you? He's like, yeah, I deleted it because too many people found out about it. You dumbass. And I'm like, you know, so there's, like I said, the whole social media thing is a two-edged sword. Yeah, right? we, we could talk about that. I mean, Let's talk about it. You know, so um, he they blew it up. But my what I know with the lake is early in the season, there's a lot of people. Probably right now, there's a lot less because people get aggravated. They go out and they don't see shit. Yeah. see a lot of rooting, a lot of rooting, but there's no pigs. Well, my suggestion is to find where they're coming in off the private, on the lake property. Yeah. Be there at first light and be there at last light. Catch them in transition. Either coming in or going out. Because in the middle of the day out there, you ain't going to find much. No, and there's a few times where we came across them in the day on the lake property bedded down. They're actually bedded down out there, but... This was also, you know, before, this was within the last probably 10 years, but 
you know, that's my biggest suggestion is to find out where they're coming in, where they're going out. And if you can find a little hidden gem uh-huh. that might hold them, if you find a lot of sign there, then hunt that. Yeah. If you have a boat, use the boat because you're going to cut out 60, 65% of the people that are hunting from the parking lots, mm-hmm. you know, with a boat. You can get it more access in more yeah. places. You can get way further out there. Yeah. You know, and um, there used to be a lot more lake property that you could hunt. And then people started poaching on the neighboring properties. Well, didn't they close down a bunch? Because I remember they used to have the shotgun season out there, too. Yeah, well, so they had that, and people were out there shooting buzzards and turkeys and target shooting and stuff, and so they closed down the shotgun hunting. Is that why they lost it? That's why they lost it. Wow. Because people were not being respectful, and they were not following and obeying the law and the rules. Being unethical hunters. See, now, hold on. That's how we get bad fucking reputations, man. Yeah. That's how we get that drunken idiot Elmer Fudd fucking bullshit reputation as hunters. Out there fucking Because around. these fucking people show up and they're like, well, I can shoot my gun here, so I'm just going to fucking do what I want. I don't give a shit, you know? Like, they get fucking half-cocked and drunk as shit at night and fucking light up and fucking probably leave their mess, all their empty holes everywhere, you know, don't clean up. Sorry, I'm going on a fucking tangent, but that shit just fucking... It's a reality, me, man. You know, so, so yeah, and then they had a section, <clears throat> that huge ranch I used to hunt back in the day. Yeah. Well, 5,000 of it was the home ranch. Only people could hunt it that had permission. The other 2,000 was a lease. Yeah. The lease bordered the lake. The other 6,000 was the other person of the family's place. That bordered the lake property. Mm-hmm. People were poaching on that mm-hmm. with their bows, and they got caught. Well, they closed that whole side of the lake down for like five years. Really? Yeah. So, you know, that all happened. As far as, you know, you know what people are doing, it's just, you know, I mean, I remember going out there. I killed my first turkey on the, at the lake. Yeah. I used to draw it every year, mm-hmm. you know, put in for it on a postcard when I was a kid. And I drew it like <laughs> three years in a row. Go out there. You could take a friend with you. You can kill four turkeys total for a weekend. Yeah. We used to go out there and hammer four birds yeah. every opening weekend for like four years straight. Yeah. You know. Um, so, yeah, I've hunted the lake quite a bit. Yeah. Right but on. It's just, you know, like I said, it's a matter of finding where they're coming in, where they're going out, and just getting lucky. Yeah. And I think with pig hunting, unless if you have a large ranch at your disposal where you know where they're kind of hanging out, mm-hmm. like that place I was talking about, I could go to... Every day at 3.30 when I go hunt that place, I'd go to this one rock, and it would overlook Tombs Creek and this whole big fucking area, like yeah. 3,000 acres. Yeah. And I would spot at least one group by 4 o'clock. Yeah. And then I'd spot another group and then another group. So I knew that was a place that I could go. Yeah. To where somewhere like the lake, you need to get your ass in your boots and just go. Yeah. And hopefully get stupid luck coming across them or waiting somewhere and getting them coming out, you know, across through a hole in the fence. Yeah. So. That's my position on that. Yeah. For sure. If someone wanted to get into, you know, whether it be pig hunting or deer hunting or whatever, what kind of suggestion would you give to them as if they're getting into entry level archery? Entry level archery. Yeah. Hunt with a rifle first. Hunt with a rifle first. Learn it. <laughs> you know, well, no, I mean, well, there's you know, such I know guys that jump in straight to archery. Well, I would say that because there's, right now, there's, to me, there's such a precedence of people wanting to become archers. Yeah. You know, 
through influence through the influence of guys like Joe Rogan and so we're he, talking somebody with green jeans never hunted wants yes. to go straight to archery hunting yes okay so for that person green jeans green jeans that's what I call them for fishing hunting right? for it's sure not a war it's just called green they're green yeah, yeah they're green for so, sure so uh, you know um, if they have somebody to that is available to show them obviously hands on would be the best. Do your research, you know, and hopefully, you know, it's a lot of it's trial and error. But, you know, like I said, somebody could reach out to me. I'm more than happy to help them out mm -hmm. through Instagram or whatever. Yeah. You know, I like showing people how to hunt and fish that are open-minded, that are willing, that want to learn. Mm -hmm. And that aren't going to be right off the gate a fucking know-it-all. Yeah. Trying to tell me how to do something that I've been doing for 20 plus years <laughs> when they don't know. Yeah. Because there is guys like that. Yeah. That's just their personality. For sure. But, you know, be open-minded. Learn everything that you can from everybody. Mm -hmm. And put your own shit together out of all that. That's what I did. Mm -hmm. I mean, like I said, there's two mentors in my hunting and fishing life that have really shown me. Mm -hmm. But there's plenty of others that I've taken a lot of information and stuff from and applied it to yeah. my toolbox. Yeah. You know. So, and, you know, I mean, the cool thing with somebody coming straight into archery hunting is they're going to learn how to stock whatever a deer to get within 40, 50 yards, not with a rifle mm -hmm. of 300 yards. See, with a rifle, you get 300 yards away from the deer. The deer don't even know you're there. Yeah. Shoot, boom, deer's dead. If yeah. You just got to make sure you hit it. Yeah. In the right spot. With a bow, you not only have to stock to get within that range, you need to make sure that that shot, you're pulling the bow back, your fucking thing's leveled. When you release, it's the perfect release that you're not going to fling the arrow off, you know. I mean, yeah. there's all those little things that... So, that person's going to go from learning bad habits, rifle hunting, mm -hmm. to be learning straight good habits in archery hunting. For sure. You know what I mean? Because yeah. there's a lot of bad habits people learn in rifle hunting. Yeah. And that's just the way it is. Yeah. So... So... What would you say your favorite piece of gear was? Or this is? Year? What's your favorite piece of gear? Yeah. Dude, I'm bringing the Tiburons. <laughs> the Tiburons. <laughs> so, like, you know, I hit you up, and yeah. you're like, dude, QU, QU. And I was like, first love QU. And I don't really have any preference between the two brands, right? Whatever, yeah. you know. But I think the lightweight, breathable pants yeah. is fucking awesome. Is that not Events a game changer? And like, you know, and so. And they dry, too. <coughs> You could pour so much sweat into those and not get yeah. wet. So I got those. I got crispy boots, which I'm getting another pair, you know. Mm -hmm. um, it's things like, I mean, you know, you go from being simple to start getting and broadening. I mean, with A the little technology. Technical. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, like technology, apparel, all that has progressed so much in the last 15 years. 20 years ago. In the last five yeah. years, man. Yeah, five years. Yeah. So 25 years ago, even 20 years ago, they just came out with, what, a rangefinder, a small rangefinder. Mm -hmm. that, that just, the boom in archery hunting went from, you know, using a freaking little, like, first year compound. Twist the knob yeah, on exactly. the top, dude, to get the picture yeah. to not be blurry. <laughs> first year compound bow with aluminum arrow shooting 30 yards. You know what I mean? To yeah. Now you have a rangefinder, you have carbon fiber arrows shooting 60. Yeah. You know? I got so, a basket of aluminum arrows downstairs. Yeah. You just, those things, and then you come into the world of lightweight hunting gear. Yeah, ultralight. I mean, yeah. I, or ultralight. I never had that. 
you yeah. know, like I said, we uh, we did what we did with what we had. Yeah. You know, and so I started to go online and start seeing all these backcountry hunters. And I thought I was a backcountry hunter for the most part, but I wasn't, you know, doing it how it's being, how I do it today. Yeah. You know, and you have guys who are willing to go far more further than they were, let's say, 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. You know, so... I don't know. It's interesting, you know, and I hear about how the old timers talk, you know, how they used to do four or five miles back in the day, you know, packing deer out over the backs and stuff or going, you know, I mean, they did the same thing. We And they, and it seems like back then yeah. they worked a lot harder than we did. Today. Oh, for sure. Well, I mean, you know, it's so funny. And I always, one of my buddies, this guy, Jeff Killing Muley's out of Southern California. He hates hunting camo, dude. He thinks camo is just the gayest thing on the planet. He just thinks it's terrible, right? Like, cool, whatever. But it's funny because I always, I'll, I'll, and I'm sure you've seen me do, I'll post photos of my grandfather and my grandmother and my uncles and my dad and everybody hunting way back in the day, all the way up until like maybe 2009, you mm-hmm. know, or no, maybe like 2005, excuse me. None of them are wearing camo. Yeah. They're all wearing thick wool or oh, yeah. blue jeans, you know what I mean? Tennis shoes, you know? And it's just so funny, man. It's always like, you know, team no camo. Yeah. Man. You know, and then, like, you have lightweight frame packs now. Well, you know, when I was hunting that branch that I grew up hunting, mm-hmm. if anybody is out at the lake listening to this and they go out to the lake and you see Pritchett Peaks, which is when you're going up towards Cherry Creek, Gordy Creek, it's the big peaks, it's the Pritchett mm-hmm. Peaks. Well... My buddy's dad and his parents used to hunt the floor of the lake. They owned that, right? Mm-hmm. They used to kill bucks where the lake is in the bottom of it and pack them over those peaks down to their fucking cabin oh on their God. back. And he told me about that, and I'm thinking, holy shit. And that you was know? before the lake was there. Yeah, that was before the lake was there. And he said, you guys think you guys got it hard these days with all this fancy-spancy luxury shit? <laughs> He said, we used to pack deer over our backs up and over those peaks. And I'm thinking, I, mean, I, don't, even, I don't even know if I'd want to pack a deer over that peak with a pack on. Dude, I look, I look at that. I look at that peak every time I'm at the lake yeah. when I'm going to the archery range or something. I look up there yep. and I'm like. So they used to kill deer in the bottom of that fucking lake and mm-hmm. pack them up over the top on the other side going towards Cloverdale yeah. to their cabin. Fuck that. And so, you know, when I hear things like that, it makes me appreciate those men that did that because they're teaching me things that they know and they learned yeah. the hard fucking way oh for sure you know for they sure put a lot of work in for sure so this is the fun part of the podcast right it's where we get a little weird a little okay. wacky <laughs> you know sometimes guys play swords gets weird that sounds fucking weird <laughs> <laughs> just kidding <laughs> Um, this is the Dead Eye question. All right. right. It's the Dead Eye Minute. Okay. We partner with Dead Eye Outfitters. Uh-huh. Hats. Yeah, I got a bunch of their shirts. I was going to wear really? one, but my fiance wore it, and it smells like Girl. perfume, and it's got a fucking makeup all over it. I mean, that's my favorite sock. All right. That's a Dead Eye sock. Nice. Nobody can see the sock, but they could visualize it. Nice. It's fucking perfect. All right. <laughs> so when they visualize the perfect sock, that's the that's sock it. I have on. It's nice. the Dead Eye sock. All right. So, the dead eye question, it's always interesting, right? It's always different. Okay. Right? (laughs) So, would you rather cut off 
one of your fingers or pay $5,000 of your own money for the person you hate to go on a spa vacation? Dude, I'd cut off my finger because I think you know who I'm talking about that I have to pay 5G's for. (laughs) You're out of control. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I got you. Cutting your finger off, you're not even in. I mean, which finger are you talking about? I don't Any know. finger? Any finger? I lose a pinky. You lose a. Do pinky. I have to cut it off, or somebody get cut off for me and I'm knocked out? Dude, chisel and a hammer, and you're oh, cutting it that's off brutal. yourself, dude. Okay, might have to go with the five G's then. Really? It's painful, man. It's a painful choice. Yeah. It's amazing, and it's not even that much money. I mean, that's the money, but it ain't that much money. Yeah. You know. Yep. Right on, man. You got any concluding thoughts? No, you know, thanks for having me. I like what you guys do, you know, and for anybody that's listening that is new, like I said, feel free to hit me up on Instagram, California Outdoorsman, mm-hmm. or Facebook. Um, you can add me on Facebook. I'll give you any insight that I can. I'm not going to shit in my own backyard, which is kind of like what we talked about, yeah. spot burning or anything, but, uh, you know, I'm always willing to help somebody out, and I, I love to see new people that get into it, and one of the things that I can say to anybody that is new that is trying to get into it is just remember to be respectful and learn the ethics. Yeah. And you'll go far. You know, people always ask me, dude, I get hit up all the time on Instagram and my DMs, like, hey, can you take me hunting on your private land, or can I come out there, or how do I get permission to, you know, get, like, you, because I got... I'm pretty fortunate with the amount of places that I can go hunting. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> One thing that I can say is, is if somebody wants to get access on private land, offer work, offer to help out, not to kiss ass, but to show that you are willing to give back in some way. Yeah. That's going to go a long way. Yeah. You know, um, and that's all I can say. And that's a big mess right there that people have. People, they have a big yeah. misconception about that. Like the guy that I know, he's got 5,000 acres. He's... Doesn't need any money. He's had people that has approached him for fucking le- the leases place and stuff, and he tells them no. But I went, I knew, I got to know him and stuff, and then I went out there and I offered to give back, and you know, and even though he doesn't want any, like he he has never said yeah, why I will have you do that or whatever. Mm-hmm. He just told me the one time he says hey, just for you offering, goes farther than you think. Yeah, you know, so that right there is uh is really assuring to me that that is one of the biggest things in regards to obtaining private land. For sure. You know. And the other thing is, is archery. Now, it, there's so many people that are against guns. Yeah. Liability, but if you're like, I bow hunt. Oh, okay. Well, you're not going to be out with a rifle. No, no, I bow hunt. Okay, yeah, you can go ahead. You know what I mean? Yeah, go do what you want. Oh, dude. I've gotten places because I archery hunt mm-hmm. and not rifle hunt. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. Just those, That's that's pretty much all I got. Right on, man. As far as advice and stuff, so. Right on. Well, Blake, thanks so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Anthony appreciates it. And uh, look forward to your success for your hunting season coming up this year. And we'll talk soon. Good deal, man. Cool. Thanks for tuning in to the show, folks. If you'd like to check us out online, our website is www.theflipflopguide.co. You can find out all the information you need to have your own flip-flop in your own backyard. We encourage this, and we'd love to see this happening in every backyard across America. You can purchase our sauces that have been cranking out flip-flops from my grandfather since the 1960s. If you had trouble filling your tags this year, we also have available on our website 
Maui Nui Axis Deer Legs. They're 100% USDA approved and ready for your consumption. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram at the flip flop guy. We hope you have a great day. Thanks for tuning in and don't forget to smash that subscribe button.